December, Universal Century 0079. Scrambling forward defensive line. The one-year war is drawing to a close. The Earth Federation has the upper hand in the neutral colony side six. A special forces are dispatched to destroy the Federation's secret weapon. Gun Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We enter our 32nd episode here today, and um, I'm joined by both. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Neil Lornok. I was looking at something. Sorry. Way, to, way to go. <laughs> I was prepping. Tom, Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw. <laughs> Actually, I'm Larry King. <laughs> Off and on. Dorothy from Schenectady. You're on. <laughs> In this episode, we're going to be uh, reviewing the next six episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam Double O. That's episodes 13 through 18. Yeah, new format. Not new, old. new format. Um, <laughs> also, um, we're going to have our next Gundam Roundup, and I believe it's our last Gundam Roundup. And this time it's about uh, Gundam MS Igloo, um, Apocalypse 0079. And it's not our last Gundam Roundup. Is it not? Oh. So we have Stargate. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. I shut my mouth. Yeah, it's <laughs> just always getting things wrong. I put my foot in my mouth every day, man. Yeah, I like the, the taste of science. MS Igloo, <laughs> Apocalypse 0079, subtext of Nazis in space. <laughs> Dr. Scholl's in my mouth. Yeah. But, um, suit. Yeah. suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, oh, and don't been... forget, we also in this episode uh, celebrate oh, the yes, uh, we do. ninth anniversary of mhq.net. A milestone. A milestone. That's right. Yeah. Which means I have nothing to say in this intro section, don't, don't, so don't ask me anything. <laughs> <laughs> why, why can't I log on? <laughs> Before we continue on, here's the, here's the moment you've been waiting for, Neo's News. Actually, before I begin the news, I just probably one of my biggest news stories, and I, I'm surprised that myself and Chris didn't mention this uh, last episode. But um, hey, it's not my job to do the news. In the uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the um, in the, the the 2009 inductee for fictional Captain Hall of Fame is uh, there's a new inductee this year, Ooh. and that would be uh, Commander slash Admiral William Madama from Battlestar Ooh. Galactica. So he joins the long line of our favorite captains, as in Harlock, Bright Noah. Captain Global and all those other he's having guys. Lunch, he's having lunch with Bright now. Yes, <laughs> he's, they're they're having they're having dinner in the commissary. Nice burgers, but burgers. They're definitely on the menu. Burgers and and the little sippy cups, beer through sippy cups. And they and they're saying fracking a lot. Well, actually, if it's Adama, he's sitting there drinking some scotch, probably. Nice. But um, yeah, some news I have here, and I got some stuff from uh, GundamNews.net. And I know last episode we were talking about the PS3 game, and they have a link on GundamNews.net uh, for the official website for that game right now. Um, I haven't had a chance to go to it yet, but they, uh, you know, just it's it's just kind of popped up, and I'm sure like with all uh, websites, they'll they'll continuously add things. And GundamNews.net and the people, you know, myself will will bring up any updates that um, that come about that. Uh, but some of the some additional information that uh, GundamNews.net had published from the latest issue of Gundam Ace over in Japan is uh, we actually get confirmation of kind of the name of the two sides. We have the Phantom Sweep, 
oh. squadron, which is the uh, basically the the Federation side, there, and that's the we have some background of the three people in that: a Hughes Conron, a Shell Allison, and a Hugh Carter. And then there's the Invincible Knights, and there's an Eric Blank, an Arios Body, and a Fritz Bauer. Hmm. I wonder if he he must be from uh, Igloo, Fritz Bauer. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you, those Dion's, they always have a flair for the theatrics. Invincible Knights. Okay, guys, yeah, get over yourselves. Yeah. But, um, you weren't invincible. No. <laughs> if you were invincible, you would have won the war. <laughs> the exact opposite. <laughs> Pretty much. But um, so I, I guess just like um, just like with the website information, the updates there, um, we'll, we'll keep bringing you some more. This'll, this is probably going to be the Garen's Greed of 2009. I'm cool with that. Yeah. And also on Gundam 00 or on GundamNews.net, there's, they have some more information uh, and check out their website for 00F and 00P. Uh, they have some more um, summaries that they put in there, so some of the newer, uh, some of the stuff that they've been translating. And as this is uh, Gundam 00 actually included about a week ago, and I'm sure everybody knows by now, they're just confirming it too, that the movie version of Mobile Suit Gundam 00 is going to be, there's a 2010 release so uh, i guess that that guy from sunrise is kind of keeping his word so far no new gundam in in uh 2009 wink wink so but um that brings us to some listener submitted news articles here and i actually have to uh give major props to uh furious rodimus because not only did he find a um a news article but he really didn't find a news article he actually contacted bandai and he was wanting to know if there's any plans to release uh, Gundam 00 on Blu-ray. And he got a response saying, basically saying, quote, Thank you for contacting Bandai Entertainment and for your interest in the Mobile Suit Gundam 00 series. Currently, we have only solicited a DVD release for the series. We are looking into publishing various series in the Blu-ray format. So it is a very corporate non-answer. Um, non-answer. <laughs> And that is uh, best regards from the customer service representative at Bandai Entertainment. So, you know, kind of take that how it is, but, you know, so we can kind of clear the air or anything. As of right now, there are no plans to put this out on Blu-ray. So it's going to be like, a deal. I give him an A for, for taking the initiative. But, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I really got to say that, you know, he went above and beyond. And I will actually give him a Neo salute for that one because... Yeah, that, I was that, gonna ask. Yes, that, that <laughs> you know there really needs to be like some kind of like zingy sound effect when you do the Neo's salute, like a morning radio show, like <laughs> <laughs> or the or the or the horn, <laughs> exactly, or the new type sound. <laughs> Yeah, you need to get on that, uh, Soul Bro. I'll, I'll, actually, I'll delve into that. Actually, I think the Neo salute would be um, it would be some uh, ice cubes clunking in a, a rock glass. <laughs> Because uh, the neo the neo salute would be uh, you know maybe some Johnny Walker blue in a in a rock glass you know two, on ice yeah on ice two fingers nice. two fingers please <laughs> <laughs> but yes we do thank uh, Furious Rodimus for going above and beyond to finding out and of course I'm sure everybody will be complaining anyways that there won't be the, any Blu-rays but basically I'm just glad that that bastard Momaru has been unseated oh no oh oh man oh, Momaru I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, son of a bitch. That's a that's a good segue because my next article actually comes from Amaro, <laughs> the purveyor of Pundum, and uh, actually this is as disturbing as Pundum, and this is actually courtesy of Anime News Networks, and get this, and man, 
it's too bad I don't live in Japan. But the title of this article is Evangelion One Piece Dresses Offered in Japan. What? <laughs> yes, you heard me. And basically, uh, the Evangelion anime producers have collaborated with the Mobile Collection to offer an Evangelion fashion line that includes a one-piece dress, and they actually have a picture of one, inspired by the Ava Unit 1, Unit 00, and the Unit 2 weapons. And it is... <laughs> I definitely encourage people to go to uh, the Neo's News Listener Submit a News article site to click the link and check this out because it's... I'll be honest with you. Basically, it's just a girl in a mini skirt with thigh-high boots and a hoodie. So... And it's all colored in, you know, the different colors. And these, uh, according to the article here, was designed with the input of fashion model Hoshi Aya. And each of the nylon outfits can double as a vest with a larger ensemble or as a one-piece dress to be worn by itself. They're going to be available at a lot of the trendy shops in Shibuya. So uh, you could definitely go check those out. And uh, it's not as disturbing as Pundum, but I don't know. Japanese never cease to It does to fit into the WTF news. It does. I'll only say this. With the new form software, I'm going to have so much fun banning this guy Momaru over <laughs> and over and over and over again. I don't know why you would ban him, man. He, he's, he's, Poor. Uh, he's, he, he, he gets it, man. He's a hard worker, man. Yeah. I, I've already banned that guy like 100 times already. I'm well, just gonna doing it over and over again. Well, despite him, I mean, he, eternity. He, he, he's, he's found your raw nerve. I, I've noticed that. I mean, so long as I have a hateful breath inside my body, yes. I will spit it out at him. Yeah, his channel, channel, channel the general, right? Yeah, I must, I must channel the general. Taking pointers from Austin. Yes. <laughs> Last I'm l- kidding. We, we like Momar. Uh, yeah, we do. Except for when we don't. <laughs> and then we don't, but we do for the most part, except for the times we don't like them. But that would bring us to our last listener submitted news article, and this is from the Foul Sorceress, and he has an article that comes courtesy of the folks at Japaninator dot com. Japaninator. It, it, it kind of reminds me of Jap- Japanimation when people talk about that's that Japanimation, isn't it? All the old days. It's like, wow, okay, Japanimation, huh? And this article is regarding the third annual voice actor awards in Japan. And basically, the article just um, talks about a lot of the winners and seems like most of them either come from Kogias or um, uh, Gundam 00. And some of the people in there, it's actually kind of funny because there's a picture, there's a group. Sh- uh, picture of all the voice actors and then they put little circles of the characters that they do and it's actually pretty funny to see some of the resemblances uh, of the people that they're actually voicing and then some of the off the wall uh, re- you know how s- th- there's such a difference between what the actual voice actor looks like and the actual character yeah uh, but some of them are p- pretty spot on so um you know and, and some of the people on here include uh, do they look as the emo as the characters they play <laughs> well, the guy that's uh, the guy that's Graham or Mr. Bushido, completely mm-hmm. different. Oh man, um, they got Graham, Mr. Um, Saji's represented, Tiaria, Harlock on, um, Setsna, Alleluia, Felt, uh, Ribbons, uh, Luis, um, Sumeragi. Actually, the girl that does Sumeragi is mad cute. Damn right, she's real cute. Marina, yeah, her the person that does her is really dowdy. Little kind of dowdy looking. Just tell joke. me to show Romy Paku. That's all I got to say. Uh, I, I don't. I a, that was Regine Regetta, right? Yeah, I have a hardcore crush on that broad. I, I do. don't see her. But the girl that did felt was is pretty cute too. All felt. So and then the guy that the Suzaku has a faux hawk, so that automatically <laughs> uh, bans him. So he loses. But um, 
yeah, so anybody that's able to check that out, definitely check it out. It's kind of interesting. You know, they have, they have different awards like best leading actor, leading actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, and new, you know, new actor, new actress. So I guess it's kind of a big thing over there in old uh, the land of the rising sun. But that's uh, pretty much the news uh, for this episode. So, Chris, anything? Uh, no. All right. Well, well then. So I told you I'd have something to say. Well, just wanted to check, man. He just had to be thorough. Yeah. <laughs> fun, fun. I, I am a I am a respected news journalist <laughs> on a website that talks about giant robots with car fenders mounted on them, battling and battling. That's you are, man. You will never be Larry King. <laughs> I want to be the Larry King of Mecca News. Well, you better get your suspenders. You need them. Hello. You'll <laughs> never succeed. And welcome to Hunch. I will. Hello, this is Billy from Sheboygan. And 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 and, and where uh, dockers are Chuck E. T's. Nice. And and lean forward on yes, the counter. All exactly. The but Solbro. Well then, find these stories and more at mechatalk.net in the um, Gundam at MHQ section. And by all means, uh, if you have time, contribute to them in the Neo News section. Yes. But uh, we'll be back after these few messages here at Gundam at MHQ. Boy, it's lucky you had these compartments. Use them for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself in them. This is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Goddamn fool, I knew that you were going to say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? So my guess though, he has a lot of parts of the funniest. What the hell is he talking about? Do, 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 do you, do when you me not... show watch that shit, we laughed all day long. Yeah, because it's so old and it's so well. Aired. You dummy elitist. Exactly. Exactly. Don't you dare laugh at Gundam. Oh my God, it's so serious. You want some chocolate? I'm the Kid, you I want bet to you told me back my trouble. I mean, even Jesus laughs at people, and he loves Gundam. Oh, so man. why can't we laugh at Gundam? Right. Right. Do you not? Do you not have? Um, do you <laughs> oh. not have uh, the Robotech one on there? Because I, th- oh, I got them all up. To, to me, that's still the best one when contact? it comes. To, okay. Yeah, that's my second video too. Uh, that's because that's Mac and it's rad. Even like, when the record the skips, I still grip. I yeah. still grip. That's, that's right. right. No way. His best AMV is Brains Lament. Shut the No, it's not, everybody. That is my personal favorite. It is damn low approved. Everybody has their favorite. Oh, oh. <laughs> the worst damn. person here. I swear to you. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, yeah, damn. he's it's the damn. worst person for saying that. See, it's cool. You know what? You said it first, though. I must say. Thank you. you, you what did you, you say? Me, you say about that. <laughs> all right. Sorry. What did he say? Now finish the. Finish the oh, always, it always is. keep a lookout for Bernie's Lament 2.0. Okay, look. <laughs> Bernie's <laughs> Lament was an AMV I made to Gundam hey, Gundam 0080, which has two characters. It's late. Characters. And I'm drunk. <laughs> A twelve-year-old boy. A twelve-year-old <laughs> oh, boy. boy. Who looks at who looks at war as a game. Mm-hmm. He meets With a very soul. short shorts. Well, he, yes. does wear, he does wear high booty shorts. shorts. It's the eighties. God damn it! Everybody wore then there's a twenty-year-old dude, short dude especially Bernie. twelve-year-old boys. Talking to a twelve-year-old boy in short shorts. It's in disguise. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm gonna stop talking. Hey, dude. Let's go bold. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my goddamn money, you bum? Well, well we... 
I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is f here. Nothing is f No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! You're listening to the show that's running more game than Super Rocky's playbook. That's right, Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're returning we're returning to our Gundam Double O reviews with um, the next three episodes right here. Um, we'll start with episode 13, The Battle to Capture Memento Mori. And this is the episode where Celestial Being and Catheron engage in a balls-of-the-wall counterattack on the A-Law's controlled superweapon, Memento Mori. Um, some other, some other uh, exciting moments of this episode is um, pretty much the classic structure of an episode like this. It has the briefing with the uh, Celestial Being people, the engagement that they, um, that they begin, and the takedown. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like Michael Bay snuck in and directed this one. And I can't complain about that. Other than that... Um, if Michael Bay directed, there would have been a quick shot of everyone walking in slow motion to their gun room <laughs> side by side. Yeah. Or, and, and, and you'd probably have a, a 360 camera view of Sumeragi as when things started to look like they were going to lose. Like, oh my god. <laughs> what are we going to do? There'd be some Ameri- American-sounding music. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and the, the, the slow motion of the fleet moving There's in. Lots of horns and drums. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Explosions. More explosions than you can count. <laughs> um, I, I was tickled pink by the, um, the crazy innovator names like um, Healing Care or uh, mis- mistranslated as uh, Healing Care in the episode that I watched. Um, uh, we got the little six degrees of Saji and Louise when, um, what's, her, what's her name? Uh, Marie uh, lets uh, Saji know that she used to uh, be her co-worker. <laughs> they used to hang out in the uh, old hangar base. Used to give her tutelage. <laughs> And um, I gotta say, Haro, Haro is the um, Red Haro. No, I'm sorry, not Red Haro, but um, Lockon's Haro is the Arkanoid champion. <laughs> He's deflected shots with the shield bits when the um, when the ship's making the mad da- the Trans Am mad dash towards Memento Mori towards the end. Uh, Haro's blocking those those beams like a like a. Um, like he's playing Arkanoid, it's ridiculous. It's he's like, actually, I think this Haro is actually challenging the title of King of Haros because the. The reigning king was Victory Haro. Yes, indeed. But I think this one is actually challenging for the title. He's runner-up, man. He's yeah. runner-up. He's neck and neck with Zeta. Zeta Haro. I mean, <laughs> well, Zeta Haro, what did he do? He just bounced around. and he bounced around. and, and he, was, he was the babysitter for annoying brats. Yeah, he was. Exactly. He put up with that, he put up with that crap, man. I got to that, that give, give him props for that. He's a robot. He has no choice. I'm starting to believe um, Sumeragi is the uh, Moriarty of ship captains. <laughs> she is always one step ahead, and she's on the um, the antagonist. Well, except for when she's not. <laughs> yeah. When the plot um when the plot requires her not to be. <laughs> and um, I love the Trans Am triple threat in this episode, where they first start off with the um the Arios charging the ship, and then the Seravi giving cover to the ship um later on, and then the Cherubim Gundam um, um sniping the Memento Mori at the end. And um, it was a uh, lock-on, save it, private uh, Ryan moment. 
I forget the name of the dude in that movie, but um, he, that was like his best, um, the best sniping job he did yet. And other than that, uh, the little cannon fodder light show at the um, end of the episode, <laughs> <laughs> when um, when uh, Kataran on Earth um, happens to see all the um, the all the action from um, from from the um, Earth's surface that's happening above. And uh, this is the first appearance of my man, um, Hercury, um, Hercules, Hercules, Hercury, or I like to call him Cool Herc. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see his Herculoids later. But um, anyway, oh, um, what were you guys' thoughts on the episode? Well, um, this is... Um, <clears throat> it, it, if you were wondering if it was a Gundam show, this is when it became really the Gundam show. Oh, no. Um, you know, it's like, you know, first season, it was it kind of broke the convention of the normal the normal way of doing things in, in a Gundam show. But this one, it was like, you know, like you said, it was the briefing. You know, it was the, the round-robin discussion during the briefing of, you know, we got to do this. Yes, we have to do it. It's to save the world. We have to save the world no matter what the cost. Let's go. And, um, you know, but, yeah, great. I mean, uh, great action episode. I mean, for all those people that were complaining, you know, of previous episodes, sometimes there wasn't as much action or things going on. This is your episode. I mean, if you... If you want to see all the fancy little tricks that all all the mobile suits and all the Gundams have have in store, and you know, like um, you know, you're introduced to Hillian, and she's got the, the GN Mega Launcher, and mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, you just have a, a lot of stuff going on. So, um, you know, not much I can really say. I mean, in, in terms of um, you know, in terms of uh, an action episode, it's probably one of the best ones of of the show so far. It reminded um, me of um, it kind of got me excited, like episode five of season one. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of like that where you had like the the ultimate space um showdown, yeah. and um it was it was it was it had that cool it, vibe to it. It, it took kind of the Shaw Brothers uh, formula of uh, little story, lots of action, and just keep it going, and uh, you know just get to the end of the uh, end of the end of the show. And but other than that, I mean, definitely a solid solid episode. But Chris, uh, some of your thoughts on um, episode thirteen? Solid action episode. Um you know, if that's your thing, this step episode definitely delivers. You know, they culminate this this arc of, you know, that pesky memento mori blasting things every which way. Uh, get to see Lockon actually show off his skills and, and, in his own words, live up to that name of his. And obviously, uh, we see things, um, you know, now going to the next level. Uh, Hercules showing up and initiating this uh, storyline about the coup. One thing I definitely enjoyed about the episode was was seeing that swine blint get blown up. I was I, I held yeah, off on right. just for you. you. One of your boards is taken down. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Not technically your boards, but I, I've, I've come to realize it. Just in spite of you, um, I, I consider oh, your boys. I would, say he's one of my boys. Uh, I, I would say your boys are the guys you love to hate, and he's definitely one of them. Yeah, so that that for me was the the highlight of the episode, and uh, it was also fun seeing all of the. Uh, the crazy transamming with the ship just flying at full speed, and they're like, "Oh my god, what the hell is this thing doing?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was definitely nice yeah, too. So yeah, that's pretty much my my thoughts on on thirteen. Okay, which right. would bring us to what episode? Episode fourteen, Miss Macross. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean Miss Gundam. No, I mean uh, I can hear a song. You know, following on that, we've. Uh, Got the Ptolemaeus gets chased down to Earth in a uh, battle that Setsuna's not around to see. And uh, he meets up with uh, Nana, who tells him, like, the ship went down to Earth. And uh, it's like, please don't shoot me. I tried to help you, and I'll, I'll give you some more help. But then he runs away, <laughs> which, which is great. Playing hard to get. Yeah. 
Uh, we've got, uh, you know, Setsuna just randomly flying across the Middle East and happens to spot a specific evil Gundam and gives chase to it, oh, no. which leads to an encounter with Ribbons. And uh, the this is what I call the Darth Vader moment of the show. <laughs> when uh, Ribbons says, yeah, we met here in this spot 11 years ago. I was watching you from a mobile suit cockpit, and that's when Setsuna's like, what? No, that's not possible. <laughs> but, yes, Ribbons was the pilot of the O Gundam. Who would have knew? Yeah. <laughs> Big and surprise. He reveals that, uh, you know, as part of his test, he was supposed to kill everybody, but when he saw the way that uh, Setsuna was looking at him, uh, it just made him uh, rethink that because it left a very deep impression on him. And then on top of that, he manipulated Veda to make Setsuna the Meister for Exia. And uh, which then leads to him saying, yeah, why don't you give me that Gundam of yours? And when Setsuna says no, uh, Prince Ali shoots him with a bullet with uh, evil red GN particles, which <laughs> come into play later on. Uh, then we've got a battle with uh, the Ptolemaeus against Alaws, And at the same time, um, you know, Setsuna starts fighting Ali and starts really kicking his ass until Ali takes uh, Catheron plane with uh, Sheeran and Klaus hostage. He had all these crazy uh, GN particles going everywhere. And because of that, Setsuna can suddenly hear Marina's new hit song. <laughs> he stops from, from attacking for just a second, and Ali escapes in his core fighter. And after that, Mr. Bushido finally gets his special order in the mail, the custom mobile suit Masurao. You mean the and flag? Souped up flag? <laughs> no, it's not a flag. The juiced up. Really? I thought it... Hmm, Okay. You sure about that? I, I could be wrong. Maybe. Who knows? Apparently. <laughs> awesome. Maybe someone can, can shed the light on this mystery for us. Maybe. Um, and then after that, of course, uh, Billy, he goes into emo mode and starts uh, ripping up photos of himself in Sumeragi. Hateful. Why, why doesn't he have him on digital camera like uh, Luis does? Maybe he's a nostalgia guy and he likes, he's, he likes paper. He's, he's, a, yeah. he's a 20th century boy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would have been just easier. All you got to do is just delete all. So what did you guys think of this episode? Uh, good follow-up to the previous episode. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of a surprise, but not that big of a surprise when you, you, know, when you find out that Ribbons is or was the pilot of the O Gundam. Um, and then, you know, it kind of puts everything kind of in the perspective when he, you know, he's talking about how he loved how Setsna looked up at him when he saved him and everything because you know he's definitely got that god complex and thinks that you know his his stuff doesn't stink and he's there for everybody else and but um you know it was kind of a, a good way of um you know kind of clearing up that whole mystery because you do kind of i mean at that point you did kind of wonder why the um <clears throat> why the o left uh sets uh, to live and unless it just didn't see him but um you know, and then we have uh, Ali, you know, once again doing his best impression of uh, a Western gunfighter uh, shooting, uh, <laughs> shooting Cessna with the evil red uh, GN bullet. So, and then, you know, you, you really couldn't have a, really can't have a Mecca show now without a, without a hit song. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was kind of nice to see uh, Marina, you know, playing the hits with the children there. So who would be the idol singer for Code Geass? I don't know. Who, was I don't there think, one? Was there, was there any music in that one? Not of that variety. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure this character, um, 
character focus songs or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's everything. Hopefully not on the level of um, Gun to Wing where they were sung by the um, <laughs> by the actual stars of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Well, you know, they, they do do that with Seed and Destiny also. Do they really? Yeah. And, and 00. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, if anything, I, I'm, there's, I'm sure there's an audience for it. I, I probably would dig them. I'd have to give them a shot. But um, man, they buy that. The Japanese buy that stuff up like crazy. They eat it up. Why do you think they keep releasing them? If it ain't broke. Yeah, really. There's a way to make money off of one of these shows. They, they exactly. sure and hell find a way. But um, yeah, just um, you know, um, just a good solid follow up episode. We get to see uh, Mr. Bushido or Graham get his new uh, his new steed there. So see what see what. Uh, craziness he can kind of you know bring up so sober um i, I liked um they, they introduced the empresses this episode unless they showed up previously and i didn't notice and um bring stability was piloting one of those um he's um the howard mason of this series apparently <laughs> <laughs> the new howard mason because he gets l- literally raped by tear area i love that scene even crippled said soon as oh, yeah, i demon. forgot to mention that i forgot to mention that he got killed i, sh- I probably should have mentioned that at some point so. that's right I, yeah. I got your back i got your back <laughs> um the new opening in this episode is my favorite one out of the out of the ones presented in the entire course of the series i love the the new opening theme I'm probably alone, but it, there you go. Well, you guys, it's good. It's good. You dig uh, it? I, I even like the opening sequence. They really went the extra mile with that. Um, you, you like the naked girls, don't you? I do. Yeah. I do. I'll admit it. <laughs> um, I got to say, VNNS is uh, equivalent to Fox News. Boy, do they, are they fair and balanced. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, cool Herc's coup, um, I guess, begins in this episode. But uh, one of the moments I enjoyed in this app was um, Ian's rude awakening. When he finally came out of the um, healing chamber. Yeah, and he outside. sees it. He's like, what's with this pleasant scenery? There's a freaking huge hole in the ship. What the hell? Oh, I forgot way. about that. Yeah. <laughs> How long have I been out? <laughs> Marie is the, um, the new Frau Bo. <laughs> Serving up food and whatnot. Or I should say the new, um, what's her name? Um, Fa. Thank you, Fa Yuri. Yeah. And um, Saji is king of the horrors as he's fixing the side of the ship. It's hard at work, but he's lonely. He's lonely. He's tearing up. <laughs> Hallelujah gives uh, Sumeragi that ultimatum. to It's like, do not send Marie out there no matter what from here on out. And, um, of course, I love the scene with um, the thirty-eight caliber homecoming that Ali gives uh, Setsuna. <laughs> the little... Um, the little Empire Strikes Back conversation with um, Rivens, that's excellent. And, of course, there's plenty of innovator on innovator violence. Uh, <laughs> and uh, other than that, um, Ali, ironically, was saved by some of the kids he orphaned. You know, <laughs> Yeah, go figure, huh? Go for, and that's sweet irony right there. Top yeah. of also, the, the sweet irony of you know the, the Gundam that Setsuna idolized for so many years and patterned his entire life on was piloted by his worst enemy. His worst enemy. Pretty Wait, much, which yeah. I, Go ahead. What were you going to say, Neil? No, I just said pretty much. Yeah, I mean, who, that's... Who put him into the very position that he's in now. Exactly. Of which, power. Which I love about this series, because irony is a huge theme, especially in the later episodes coming up, too. And this is just the beginning. Um, other than that, I, I love this episode. A lot of stuff happened, especially um, finally um, getting the truth about uh, pretty much Setsuna's confronted about his past, and he's reunited with the man that saved him and helped him become a Gundam Meister. It's um, bittersweet, if anything, but I, I love this episode. I got to say, it's one of my favorites. All right. Well, I guess that'll bring us to the last episode of this uh, segment, that which would be episode 15, Victory Song of the Resistance. Um, starts off with Ali, you know, in, you know, after he escaped in his core fighter, he's hearing the singing, and um, 
you know, Setsa's kind of wondering why he stopped fighting. And uh, we see that Setsa lands the double uh, O riser at a Cateron base, and he sees Marina, and he falls down and collapses in her arms. Uh, we see that um, later that the Ptolemaeus is going to rendezvous with Catheron, and they're still continuing to fix the, the ship. Then we see that, they, you know, the Alleluia is commenting that Cateron looks pretty helpless now, and assess, and um, Tiara is pretty confident that Setson is going to be returning because they don't, they really don't know where he's at at this point. We see old Papa Bear Sergey, oh. uh, recalling one of his, the conversation he had earlier with Hercules about you know what's going on with the Parliament and the A laws and how everything's pretty much being overlooked. You know, Hercules wants Sergey to join the coup. And uh, Sergey uh, saying, you know, I'm not going to disobey, disobey orders. And then we find out some little bit about what happened to his, his wife, Holly, uh, you know, previously, and which is kind of a big theme later on in some of these other episodes. You know, Cessna wakes up, or actually Cessna's having a dream that he's back in uh, Courageous. And, you know, he's seeing all the stuff that's happened to him in his life and his little self going and killing his parents and... You know, he's trying to stop him from doing that. And then, of course, we have the old uh, Neil DeLandy appearance every couple episodes. we got to have him just kind of showing up and, you know, telling him that you can't really change the past, but you can always change the future and, and you know, change yourself. And, uh, you know, then Setsna wakes up and he's hearing the kids singing again, the, the new hit song, and sees Marina there. And, um, you know, he talks about how he heard that song when he was doing the Trans Am. And then she talks to him about the, the letter that he had written to her four years ago at the end of season one. And, uh, you know, and then she's talking a little bit about, about her life, how she wanted to be. She wanted to be a musician, but because of, um, you know, her lineage and everything, she had to end up being the old uh, princess of uh, a blown up country. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, later on, we see that, um, you know, the Ptolemaeus is still being repaired. Uh, they were re resupplied by Cateron. They find that there's about 36 mobile suits that are going to be coming in. So Sumeraga orders all the Gundams to launch. Uh, we start having everybody going into their various Trans Am modes, and a nice little fight starts to happen. And then uh, the ALOS suits are about to fire on the Ptolemaeus. Cat Kati gets an emergency message from the headquarters, and their t uh, Alaws is being told to cease fire and retreat. And Sumeragi is wondering what's going on, and then we find out that something's going on at the Africa Tower. And then we see Setsna; he's trying to get back with the Ptolemaeus, and he sees a student off in the distance, and it ends up being Graham. And they activate their Trans Am, or actually Graham goes uh, Trans Am, and then goes after Setsna. The end. So, uh, any uh, any thoughts of victory song of the resistance? I loved this episode of Macross. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <it was laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we found out so much about Cheryl in this one, right? <laughs> yeah, I really liked uh, Ranka's new song. <laughs> I love the I love the old homage to my pilot is a girlfriend or or my boyfriend's a pilot. <laughs> I'm looking at like three different things right here. Sorry, I have not been drinking. My pilot is Doctor Girlfriend. Is Doctor yes. Girlfriend? Thank you. That's a bona fide hit right there. <laughs> All I gotta say is um, before you before you say anything, I just remember this when I was watching the subtitled version of this and. So whoever was subtitling did the funny thing of saying Graham going trans Graham <laughs> at the end of it 
which just made me laugh a lot. But uh, sorry, Chris, you could continue about episode 15 of Macross. Uh, one of the things that stuck out at me was that, that creepy dream sequence that Setsuna has because just yeah. the way it's colored is so dark and grim. Yeah. yeah. And, and just the whole thing of, you know, he tries to stop himself from killing his parents and then he leaves and as soon as he's out the door, he hears the gunshots and, and Pirate Neil tells him, like, you can't change the past. <laughs> Harlock on. You mean, you mean Neil Faraday? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's like, whatever happened, happened. <laughs> Neil Faraday DeLandy. Neil Faraday DeLandy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Neil. That's a lost reference. You're just not hip. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> with the kids. These days, so you wouldn't get that. That's fine. I know. He's, he's definitely not hurting. <laughs> I, I think I'll survive. Oh damn! Oh, I, I love um, you know the, just the the silly theatrics that Graham does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like who is he doing this stuff for? Just for himself to feel good? Because yeah, he is he is like Mister Theatrics he, this he season. Ins- he insists the people gave him um he gave him that nickname and whatnot. But you know what? I think he's full of crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like I don't know is he is he Mister Bushido or Mister Kabuki? I can't tell sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> In his R Battler if, if if he if all he needed was to do that kabuki pose that um that what's his face Alto did in Frontier that made it. Can you hear? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's always good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see uh, this this coup that was set in motion. You know, actually happen and um, and quickly too. Very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. And and uh, of course, all of the Gundams get saved at the last second by uh, this coup. It's yeah. like. Forget about these Gundams. Frickin' Tower's been seized. You know, they've been saved many times in this season. It's like they, they've, they've been saved by the bell a couple of times, the old Gundams. Yeah, the episode where it totally gets bailed out by the taking of the EAU space elevator. Yeah. I was like, man, convenient. And, and, of course, there's always, you know, the Gundam tradition of some type of coup going on in Africa. You know, like Dakar, you know, now the Africa Tower and some of these other things. So, what is it, uh... Gundam Wing, they took over one of the bases there, and it's like all Somalia. Yeah, Somalia. So it's always uh, the the old Gundam cliche there, but um, yeah, I'd have to say it was a it, it was a really good. It, it ans- just like the previous episode. It answered a lot of the questions that have been just kind of sitting there for a while. You know, you learn a little bit more about Marina, and you know, seeing why she is the way she is. And, uh, you know, the one thing I do like about this is, you know, she, it, it, it's nice to see that she's still kind of in her her pacifist role and she doesn't she's not compromising her values not at all for any and we see that even later on in the show where she just does not compromise her values at any point which is kind of a testament to her character i guess because you know how much how many of us would be able to do the same thing in in crappy situations like this but um other than that you know the the whole thing with um like you said with Setsna and and all of his regrets of uh you know his past life and you know the good message of old Neil saying you know you can't really change that but you can change the future so um you know and it it is nice that he has a recurring role uh Neil Delandy truly truly he will never die especially with the twin drive probably keep you keep him around forever but um Solbro any uh any thoughts on episode 15 uh, let's see. Um, Marina apparently she has the craziest sound system because everybody picked up on um, just a regular old Wurlitzer playing in the desert, <laughs> and and the kids singing with no mics. <laughs> well, it's the GN particles, hey, man. man. Apparently so. Um, they're like those. Uh, cr- they're like those crystals from Frontier. Um, there's the echoes of Briggs' death. 
Um, and I, my, my man, the innovator that looks like Eori Yagami, oh, he was steamed. Yeah. <laughs> the Howard Mason of innovators. Yeah, yeah, it was like, bring stability. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a little bit of the foreshadowing of the Seraphim's ability in this episode, as we'll, finally later, we'll find out later on. Or, I'm sorry, they, they talked about it. It was actually shown last episode, but they, um, they talked about um, if they caught on to what it can do. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I have a question. And this might be a simple answer, but why don't Billy and Kati not recognize each other when they when they meet up again? Because they both had Cujo in common. So um, I, I found that kind of strange that they didn't even find themselves vaguely familiar at all. Well, mm. they were in college like how many years ago? I, yeah, I guess it was a while ago. And there's a lot on their minds. I, mean, I, too. I, I got the impression that 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 the two of them were nothing more than acquaintances. So I mean, how many people did you go to like high school or college with that you know? You maybe had just a few encounters with them. Maybe you rendered them 15 years later. Do you yeah. remember them? Yeah, and I, and I, and I don't think... Um, I, I think the relationship with uh, Sumeragi and Billy was a lot stronger than Sumeragi and Kati. I think they were mainly... It seemed I almost got the impression that they were just kind of class rivals to an extent. Like, they were the two shining pupils. Yeah. And, you know, they just were kind of drawn together, and they knew each other from that. It didn't... I don't know. I mean, we could be wrong, but that's well, just kind of the impression that I got. So. While Billy was just stuck in the friend zone. Yeah, he was just... <laughs> exactly. It's... More like stuck in the pedal bear zone. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a crazy zone to be in. <laughs> um, the innovators, they're, well, they're, um, they're stuck up yowie bait. Those bastards. <laughs> okay. Talking crap about Andre and um, Louise. Although Andre has it coming. Um, let's see. Um, if uh, Cujo is Takati as Moriarty is the Holmes... <laughs> From what I'm seeing, they, they 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 do counteract each other very well, and one tries to outdo the other. Marina's definitely an aspiring in May. Um, <laughs> I do uh, I I did like the scene where Ikeda came in with his breaking news and interrupted the love connection between Setsuna and um, Marina. That was awesome. <laughs> but um, I like this. Also, like the scene that Thierry, um came in with the blankets for Ian's daughter and Saji after after they were working hard like George Jetson <laughs> fixing the suits and whatnot. Um, and there was a, actually uh, there was a conversation between uh, Kati and um, Patrick about the fact that he's pretty much invincible and immortal. I like to call him. He he now has the new name of Patrick the Highlander. <laughs> and um, other than that, um, there was a new outro this episode, which is okay. I wasn't I wasn't huge on the um, the, the closing theme for um, for the rest of the season, but it, it's cool. I, I do like the sequence though. It kind of foreshadows a little bit. But, oh, you can um, you can always fast forward. Yay, so. Yet yet another ending sequence with a whole bunch of wrecked Gundams. Exactly. Because yeah, only the last two Gundam shows have done that, too. If it ain't yeah. broke, show broke Gundams. <laughs> or, and, or rusting ones, too. Exactly. Not even just um, broke, but just rusting. Setsuna shows how rugged he is. I, I, he's, he's got the, um, he's, he's going to get the Jack Bauer Award if he keeps it up. <laughs> he juices up right before he gets back out the pilot after he leaves the Cataron uh, base. And, um... That's about it. I, I, oh, and of course the coup attempt with um, Herc, cool Herc and the Herculoids. They finally take over the tower at the end of the episode. Cool. And, but, um, but that's that's uh, pretty much. I, I, I like this episode. It was it was cool. Well, we're glad that you liked it. Well, sweet. I guess that well, it, it validates our existence. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool, and it and Solbro liked episode fifteen. And I think with that we can actually end the segment now. Now that Thank we've you. established that Silver liked the episode. Oh man! Thank so you. that that concludes uh, episode thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. We'll be back in a few moments with Gundam at MAHQ.
I'll be damned if I'm gonna clean up this mess! <laughs> Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Next! I said next, God damn it, this is not the DMV, alright? Move it along. Everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. Now we're going to be going through the 19th installment of Gundam Roundup, and we're returning back to uh, One Year Wartime with uh, Mobile Suit Gundam MS Igloo Apocalypse 0079. And this is actually a continuation of kind of the story that we, you know, with the characters that we saw in the Hidden One Year War, which we covered a couple episodes back. And once again, we're joining the crew of the Jonaheim and um, Oliver May and all of the kind of wacky and kooky uh, experimental weapons and crazy death pilots that, uh, you know, kind to, that definitely like to go to heaven. So, uh, um, that's, we're, in this one, we're actually toward, we're, we're in the last half of the One Year War. And once again, these are kind of self-contained episodes, um, for the most part, uh, chronicling uh, some of the trials and tribulations that these uh, these characters have been going through. So um, I'm going to kind of kick this off to Solbro and Chris. Uh, guys, what are some of your impressions of Apocalypse 79? I have to say they've ramped up the intensity in these last <laughs> three episodes of, uh, of Igloo. I mean, granted, you know, this is just reaching end game of the one-year war. So, you know, everything was coming to a hilt. Um, you know, they kicked it off with uh, a little bit of uh, the raid on Jaburo. Yeah, where they were trying to stop the uh, the cruisers from getting into space, and that was a, that was a, that was a, that was a neat kind of twist on on on, on you know the counterattack that you know Zeon would 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 pull off on on the Federation, where they had that one uh, ocean diver guy kind of use the use space in the sky as a metaphor for swimming, and um, he was a cool pilot. I like that guy. He was awesome. You know, really. He was, Rugged dude. Yeah, and how convenient that the pilot was a guy who just happened to be obsessed with the ocean. Go figure. Oh yeah, go yeah. figure. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's so obsessed with the ocean. Why isn't he? Why isn't he doing that for a living? <laughs> I figured he could escape the draft, but oh well. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, he was um he was a real cool character, a real real wild card. But you know, he loved what he did, and it's it just you mean, sucked you mean good old Werner, good old Werner. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> from the austrian austria hungry side of uh, side three <laughs> yeah von holbein yeah the germanic yeah it just sucked that every time he made an attempt to, to do something someone got either either whole ship got blown up or he'd miss entirely <laughs> i don't know that this but, to me that that wasn't a good way to start 
the double O uh, apocalypse. Really? Do- I didn't like this one. I like li- because it was one of them of all you know in in the, hun- the hidden one year war. You could see kind of the potential of you mm. know of the weapons, but why you would strap an amphibious you know mobile suit to to do a, a re-entry attack kamikaze kind of you know hit and run attack didn't make any sense to me. I, I know that they it was supposed to you know made it easier to retrieve it because you know Jabora is surrounded by the Amazon and all that but it just seemed like one of the stupidest things ever <laughs> I mean it really did <laughs> Did didn't Oliver bring that up you know like the fact that they're picking up the slack of someone else's someone else's um no it's someone else on the bridge brought that up it's like he didn't like the fact that they were picking up for another ship's uh um uh, you know it th- was 604 battalion yeah, I since just... they got blown out of the sky they had to pick up their slack <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it went, and it went from like uh, having a missile pod to like gun pods to then like uh, kind of the scatter beam shot of um, the Psycho Gundam. It just, I don't know, it just, it didn't do much for me. And I mean, really, to go through all that trouble, and he got what at the end he got what like four or five ships. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it didn't, the means didn't justify the, the end. end. Of that. And got blown out of the air by a freaking core booster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, was, I will say this though the 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 visuals in this were stunning. I have to say that you can see the you can see the I, I watched I watched all six episodes of Igloo one after the next, and from episode three to uh, of the first series to episode one of this series, you can see a noticeable jump in how well you know yeah. the quality is. Well, I, th- I think we said something earlier. You know, did we bring that up in the other when we did sure. the roundup when we, we up talked the, about how we talked about uh, the it face. was kind of kind of jerky looking? Yeah, yeah, things seemed a little bit better on the animation on this one. But um, Chris, uh, some of your thoughts on uh, Apocalypse 0079 here? I had been hoping that uh, with this set of three episodes that they would go for more of a continuing story, yeah. which they kind of loosely do a little bit in episodes. Uh, two and three, but not yeah. so much. So we're kind of back to the old, you know, piece of junk thing that's got to be tested, and you know, <laughs> pilot dies gloriously, and there's a sad lament as they pass into the, you know, underworld. So this first episode with uh, the the diver guy didn't really appeal much to me. He was just yeah. kind of a kook. The second episode, which. Uh, we did mention it's full of balls and the Xeon version of the ball, which yeah. basically is just this claptrap piece of junk that uh, is really slapped together just to use spare Zaku weapons. Yeah, but surprisingly yeah. works pretty well. Yeah, it, it, if if they if they constructed it correctly, it worked pretty well. But as we saw, you know, for some of those poor guys, they kept breaking. <laughs> yeah, looked like a flying spigot. <laughs> Things obviously take a uh, personal turn because uh, Monique Cadillac, uh, her younger brother, is one of these pilots of the Ogo, and unfortunately, he's the designated doom to die guy. Oh man! Yeah. The, you mean the Hitler Youth? The Hitler Youth? Yeah, from the Hitler Youth. <laughs> the the Giren Youth. Don't we get introduced to uh, the, what is it? Kuspin? Yeah, Her- Herbert von Kuspin, the uber uh, uber Naziist uber Nazi in oh. all of Gundam. Oh. You know, I complained in the the last segment we did on Igloo that. Um, you know, there was too much Nazification. This guy is the personification of that. Nazification? <laughs> the, yeah. the, the way that this guy walks around and, like, he moves his hand in a way so that you can, like, so he can hear the noise of, like, the leather, his leather gloves creasing, and he just, it's like, oh, my God, I can ju- I could just imagine this guy in some, like, Nazi S&M Scheisser movie. He was yeah. the SS poster boy. Oh. 
It was just, yeah. I mean, it was just kind of way over the top. Yeah, I mean, he just showed up, and it was just like, oh boy, this is this. You know, if you if you if you didn't get that the you know that Nazi Germany was an influence on the the uh, the appeal or the look of this of igloo, yeah, sure in the hell got it on this one when because this the, guy was just ridiculous. They do barged in with his Haman Khan colored uh, <laughs> oh, his, suit. Uh, yeah. What was it? The uh, the uh, Gelgoog. He, he landed up in there with the Gelgoog. It's like when he stepped out with his full garb. It's like, oh my god, that is the dopest out uniform. Oh my god, he looks like a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. It, 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 what was I gonna say? We we kind of didn't talk about our last um, segment much, or if at all. But well, what what were, you, what were you guys thoughts on the um the sexy yet annoying Monique Cadillac? <laughs> I like sexy yet annoying. Actually, well, she was annoying at first because she was like, sort of like uh, you know the towing the line yeah. of you know the the powers that be, and then you see her get more dissatisfied as well with things as they go on, and then of mm-hmm. course she reaches a breaking point when she sees her brother get blown up. Yeah, and she goes a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs. I kind of equate her a little bit to like uh, Tiaria from Double O, where you know she was so by the book at the beginning and, and really kind of annoying, just like Tiaria was. I mean, he was so by the book and he really didn't give a crap about anything mm-hmm. until, like you know, Chris said, things started getting a little bit more personal, and you know, she started getting relationships with these poor guys that were just going off to die, and and you know, so and to find out she's been harboring a crush on. Old Oliver May yeah. since the beginning. It was like, oh man, like we didn't see that coming. Their they're, they're pairing kind of reminds me. I mean, granted, you know, this this went sour, but it kind of reminds me. Their look kind of reminds me of Bernie and um Chris from Double O Eight O. You know, and and, yeah, and, and granted, they're they're different characters, but I mean, but, their their look. But what was nice though too is once again, you know, she. Well, we we can't really say that, but you know. For the most, for most of Igloo, first, you know, for Hidden One Year War and Apocalypse Seventy Nine, she doesn't pilot for the yeah. most part till, of course, towards the end. Well, you know, they she, help. She piloted. Well, no, because she she jumped into she jumped into the Zuda in yeah. uh, the end of uh, Hidden One Year War, and she keeps using the Zuda in this series. That's right, she did. I'm sorry. It's just that she never broke the speed limit. So. <laughs> yeah, she was smart enough to uh, keep it keep it under fifty five. She was smart enough to keep it uh, within the law. <laughs> less, less the galactic uh, highway trooper come and uh, give you a ticket. Don't press that red button. <laughs> and I definitely, I definitely loved her. Um, you know, her the the female version of the Shar uniform. Oh yeah, that's right. She did wear red. Yeah. Oh man, she she completely ruined that. <laughs> no, no, I don't think playing, she did. I'm playing, no. No. But but she showed up. She had to show up in red, and it's like, why 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 aren't you in? Why are you in the the the, the yeah, zero and green? Any, the, what what did that designate, Chris? What? Then again, um, the the red uniform. The red I mean, uniform. Why why did she wear a red uniform? I don't know. Lots of people in Zeon had like custom color uniforms. Like you know, Rambo Rawl, like his color choice was blue, and he had a blue uniform. So yeah. I have no idea. I think it's just is that what that was all about? On okay. To- on top of that, Girion's secretary had a red uniform, and she did. Yeah, I know and, that. And Lala soon, Lala soon. You know, when she was ever in her uniform, she had a red one too. I didn't know if it was like the Star Trek thing. I think hers was more brown. Well, yeah, I guess it would be a more auburn or, or kind of more or brown, if anything. But I didn't know if it was like the Star Trek thing where it designated something. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think that it designates something. That's, that's probably more a question for Mark Simmons. Of though, course, so. in Gundam, you want to wear red, <laughs> unlike Star Trek, where you don't. <laughs> 
But back to Apocalypse 0079, um, it was like Solbro said, they ramped up the action a lot. Especially in the last episode, since it's, you know, Operation Star 1, and you've got Oliver forced to be a pilot. Which I would probably say to me is the best episode of the three. I think we stated earlier, that's when we really got kind of the weirdness of the Federation especially when the Zeons are pulling out mm-hmm. and there was that ceasefire, you know, they became like the, the earth Alliance <laughs> in Gundam <laughs> Sea, where it's just like, uh, you know, shooting these guys in the back and, you know, where are you going and all this stuff. But, um, it's like what surrender. I, I didn't hear that over the radio. Didn't hear that at all. Yeah. I'm just going to keep shooting these guys. So Fish in a barrel. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it, and it really showed like just the hopelessness of that whole situation. And you can see the whole crew is just by the, by the point that, that that episode starting man they're just all done you know they just all want to go home and um you know it's just it was just such a a bad situation that you know it just got mitigated worse by the crappy stuff they were throwing out there and just the disregard of any of the any of the you know the pilots and any of the you know the armed forces the military of zeon i mean they really it it really just culminated a whole thing that zeon was doomed from the beginning i mean they really were it it was just uh just a just a horrible horrible situation to be put in but um how did you like the ending though um hey everybody miraculously is alive (laughs) except for mr uber nazi fetishist yeah he was the only one that got it really bad blown out of the sky at least he died fighting because they had to force him to fight because he was trying to run away yeah and that was interesting to see too mr we gotta stand and fight tried to run away until monique pulled a gun on him it's like no where you think you're going yeah (laughs) yeah that's a stand-up moment in the entire series too for certain (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was. Puts, puts that guy to task after he came on the ship from trying to run things. But, you know, I got, I got to kind of give it to him. Once he got out there, he did what he needed to do, and, you know, he did get, you know, it was nice to see him die, but, man, he did get kind of smoked pretty bad. But, um, Eviscerated. <laughs> yeah, just that whole thing at the end, though, where pretty much all the main people, uh, it was just, I, I was kind of all right with they just died, but, I don't know, it just kind of seemed... A little silly, but Chris, any other thoughts of Apocalypse 0079? Uh, it was interesting seeing uh, Oliver be forced to take a direct hand in things and become the uh, the pilot for um, Big Row, Big Ram, Mobile yeah. Armor, piece of junk thing, and Junk Row, <laughs> what I call it. And uh, you know, they try to make you think from you know, try to be clever for a minute and make you think that he's dead and that he fall fell to the curse of the the doomed episode pilot. Yeah. But miraculously, he's the only one to break the curse. Oh, yeah, man. the twist ending, which I don't mind because he was a good guy and and I wanted to see him survive because I liked him and you know, as I said in the last segment, you know, especially here in this set of up three episodes, since things are going so bad for the ZR, and you see how this guy is just so pessimistic about stuff and how he really has changed from the beginning of the series. Um, What kind of spoils the ending a little bit is that you see him talking about the future, and you see, like, him with a silhouette of space in the background and, you know, a giant waving Xeon flag. It's like, (laughs) oh, God. It's like, oh, boy. Could it be any more obvious, this guy with, like, blue eyes and blonde hair and this big old Germanic-looking flag waving in the background? Like, could you have done something else with that for your final shot of you know the series you know and i was telling Solbro about this the other day when we were talking about igloo um i this whole thing you know yeah there was in in first gundam there are some tones of nazi germany in within zeon and and we have that famous line of degwin telling 
Garen that you know you're like a man from the dark ages of Adolf Hitler but I was telling Solbro I'm like I think in a way the only reason why Tamino and I'm of course I'm this is just my speculation that he probably did that was because for us watching the show that's our that's the reference point of like uh, of the most evil person known in history yeah. you know to do stuff like that like yeah. I don't if there was ever let's hope the hell it doesn't happen but if there's ever anybody more evil than Hitler and does stuff that's you know worse would it you know now he would ups, you know upstage Hitler as being you know the most evil person so I, I think that's maybe why Tamino probably did that because yeah okay the helmets and stuff but I, I, I just I just never really saw it too much in, in, in first Gundam, you know, because of course Zeon's doing it for independence. Yeah. The Nazis did it for just out of world domination. They wanted to destroy the world and, and, and rule it. But I don't know. It's just, um, you know, the whole thing with the flag and that was something that they did a lot through most of the episodes is that waving Zeon flag oh, in I space. Know. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, and, and I, I do like Oliver and I like Monique and you know, I like these characters and you were very sympathetic because they were just put in just a bad situation and and nobody really cared about them and nobody Mm -hmm. cared about anything else. But just that whole, yeah, I'm with you. That whole like postscript. I mean, it's, it was almost as bad as the postscript and endless waltz. Like, damn, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there will be no more fighting and Gundams are gone. You'll never see them again. Oh, you know, there's a minor thing, but, uh, we we didn't really mention it in, in the first igloo segment that, um, there are no Gundams at all in this series, aside from like a two-second cameo yeah. of the RX-78 in a video. Destroying something. Killing, killing, Destroying something. Killing Gene and Denim. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping, since this episode was set at a Bawaku, that we'd at least see maybe like a two-second cameo of, say, like the Gundam and the Zeong like, shooting at each other in the background. Yeah. Or the, the White Base approaching um, a Bawaku. That's what I was looking for yeah. the entire time I was looking for the white base. Well, I figured after, if anything, yeah, we'd in, see in, that. You know, it's funny you say that because after they fire the solar ray system and mm-hmm. you see that the Federation forces are, are rallying up, mm-hmm. in the show, they rallied around the white base. Yeah. So it would have been cool to see just, you know, the white base there. And, okay, you don't have to show anything in it, but you yeah. could just show that, you know, all of the, the Salamis and remaining Magellas are all going around. The, um, I just don't want the, the white base. Exactly, I didn't want them omitted from the whole affair, you know. And well, the reason being is that the igloo characters are in a different field, yeah, yeah. than the white base characters were. But still, I mean, they could have just done a quick pan, and I mean, it's just a little tiny little, you know, bit of fan service, and just show, you know, the Zeong and the Gundam shooting at each other in the background for like two seconds, and would have just been a nice little touch. But I mean, I don't, I don't hate it because it's not there, but it just would have been a little nice something to throw in there. Exactly, because I mean, they're right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's true. the one time where they're within the same span of space where you would have to have the chance to glimpse them. I mean, we even got a shark cameo the first episode of Igloo, so yeah. I figured it would close out Igloo entirely by at least showing something of um, Mobile Suit Gundam at the end, whether it be the the the, the dueling suits or the or the white base or something. But I guess they didn't have time or budget for that, or just didn't. oh, it's no, it's it's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a nitpick. It's just something that would have been nice to have, but it's not a detriment because it's not there. True, no. true. But um, right. any final thoughts, guys, on Apocalypse seventy nine? Um, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a little bit more than the first part, um, due to the fact that you know it ends it ends with at the at the at the 
the climax of Mobile Suit Gundam, but uh, but you see it from a different perspective. Uh, is it for the first time viewer? Neither series are. Mm-hmm. You have to really be a big UC fan or a big Mobile Suit Gundam fan to really enjoy both of these series. Um, but I mean, if you want to look at them as a te- technical aspect for you know for being OVA series, they look great, save for a few minor things like uh, facial expressions and whatnot. But they look a lot better than I expected when I watched them. But um, and and they tell decent stories. I will say that the first episode of the second season seems like a throwback to the first season, and it would have probably been better to be in a part of the first season. And we had three consecutive episodes that told a more consecutive story. But other than that, I liked it very much, and I I I only can recommend it. Chris, pretty much the same. I mean, it's a good series. It's it's not perfect, and you know, it kind of has that cliche that we noted of you know the doomed pilots every episode until the last one, but. It's still an entertaining series, especially in the last episode being uh, set in a Bawaku. And, you know, it's good stuff, just not something that's going to knock your socks off. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, too. Um, you know, it's like we said earlier, it is definitely for the hardcore fan. And, um, you know, it, it is it is nice to finally for once get kind of something from the Xeon perspective. But, um, you know, because we, you know, we kind of see that there are people... You know, there were people within Xeon that had the same issues and struggles that people in the Federation did. But, um, yeah, good sh- good series. Uh, definitely would check them out, you know, pretty much all, all the way through. And they're all pretty short. They're all about 30 minutes long, a little, yeah. little under 30 minutes. So, but, um, so it concludes the 19th installment of Gundam Roundup. Uh, next, we'll be actually going to the micro-series of, uh, I guess that's what you would probably call it, of... Um, which would be uh, another installment within the Cosmic Era universe, which is uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed... What was it? Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Stargazer? CE-73 Stargazer. CE-73 Stargazer, which is actually set within the time period of uh, Seed Destiny. So, but uh, Damn, saying, saying that title is longer than watching the show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, definitely the, the roundup will probably be much less than the actual show let's hope you mean like five minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but yeah so it was actually uh something that was done in you know marketed in a little different way but uh we'll be getting back to um you know stargazer in the next episode and you're listening to gundam at mhq keep calling me he'll keep calling me until i come over he'll make me feel guilty this is, uh, this is ridiculous, okay? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with, I'll go. Damn it! Next on Even for the flaws that Stargazer has, in 45 minutes, it still manages to be a lot better than all of Destiny was. And <laughs> that's not hyperbole because, number one, it certainly has the best mecha designs in the Seed universe outside of Astray. Astray yeah. has some really nice stuff. So in terms of the animated Seed universe, it has the best designs. You know, 
Strike Noir, Blue Duel, Verde Buster, they all all look really nice, as do the other ones. Even the frickin' uh, Kerberos Buku. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the Buku, but the Kerberos Buku is, is pretty awesome looking, and, you know, the, the Savage Buku attack in Episode 2 just kind of proves that. In the first episode, definitely the way that they show the aftermath of Break the World mm-hmm. is handled much better than in Destiny, because as I said in the Destiny segment the episodes ago, it just happens, you see the destruction, and then it gets totally glossed over. You don't see the impact on civilians you see these people stuck in these flooded areas and the imagery in this episode which came out three years ago very very creepy in the way that's reminiscent of hurricane katrina and the asian tsunami oh yeah so i think that was pretty deliberate in the way they were trying to go for that and it just adds to the atmosphere where you've got all these people stuck you've got these cities that are flooded and in this episode probably you have the most positive depiction anywhere of the Earth Alliance because you see them as soldiers trying to respond and rescue the civilians. Yeah. Gundam. Next episode, you will see the tears of time. All right. Not the shoes. I have been having a very bad day. Just got out of jail this morning. Already I have been shot at. I was on the bus that flipped over 17 times. Bitch tried to stab me in the bathroom. Somebody blew up my Porsche. I'm in a bad damn mood. Now, I usually don't jump in when somebody's getting beat down, but this man, Jack Cates, is going to help me straighten out the rest of my day. Now, I suggest you all back up and let us go about our business. Because you got a gun? No, because I have a gun and I'll pop a cap in your ass. Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ, and to kind of finish up uh, the conclusion, well, not the, the concluding of Double O in Japan a few weeks ago, we're going to continue on with some of our reviews. We're not concluding the show just yet. That, that, that was in the past. That was 2008, not 2009. Change has come. So, uh, but uh, we'll start this segment off. We're going to be doing uh, episodes 16, 17, and 18, and we'll begin it with episode 16, which is entitled Prelude to Tragedy. And uh, we begin basically at the uh, Africa Tower's low orbital station, and we see uh, Hercules, who had been introduced earlier on in the show a couple episodes ago, um, addressing that he's holding all the citizens within the orbital station hostage, and his objective is to inform the public about the atrocities committed by A-Laws, and he starts stating all the crimes that A-Laws has done, massacred millions, including... uh, during the re- uh, reorganization of the Middle East, and um, you know that telling everybody that nobody's aware of this because of the Federation's information control and how corrupt they are. Um, on Earth, a Federation uh, spokesman or spokeswoman claims that Hercules demanding the dissolution of the government and the release of 45,000 anti-government activists. So there's definitely some uh, wordsmithing going on between uh, what what's what's reality and what's. Um, you know what's being portrayed to the ma- the uh, Federation masses, and uh, we see that Sergey's watching the news, and he turns it off, and he recalls a conversation that he had with uh, his wife Holly and Hercules a couple of years ago when they were talking about uh, solving the energy crisis would uh, uh, lead to wider peace, and um, you know that was actually a pretty good exchange during there. Uh, Mr. Mullet, uh, Fat Goodman, reports to Homer on the force deployments, and uh, should Homer's- we call him now Fat Goodman? <laughs> I think I think I think we should call him Fats. Yeah, Fats Goodman. 
Sounds like a jazz singer. Hey there, I'm Fats Goodman. Been <laughs> <laughs> influenced by a little Cold Train, a little Duke Ellington. <laughs> Hope you like this. We're uh, going to deliver up some destruction. <laughs> <laughs> going to deliver up some destruction, then I'm going to have some cake and ice cream. Memento Mori. And then I'm going to comb my mullet. It's so crisp. <laughs> <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> Get her done. <laughs> What is it now? Fats the cable guy too. <laughs> Fats the cable guy, NASCAR guy, um, mall cop guy. I don't know. <laughs> he is a uh, <laughs> an alchemy of pop con uh, pop culture icons at this point. An, an alchemy. <laughs> an amalgamation. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sitting here. I don't know what's going on today. This is not Full Metal Alchemist. No, it's not because there's no equivalent exchange. Oh, yes, I went there. But back to Prelude to Tragedy, because my review is becoming a Prelude to Tragedy. It's actually becoming a tragedy. Um, and uh, we see that the, um, we're, we fast forward to the Ptolemaeus, and everybody's wondering, Sumeragi, what do we do? She was surprised that the innovators missed the coup uh, because they controlled Veda. So, uh, you know, she, you know she, her little, the wheels in her mind are kind of going here. Um, we see that they, you know, she says, Sumeragi says they have no choice. They got to go and help out and try to quell the situation there. So uh, all the Gundams launch and head towards the Africa Tower. Uh, we see that uh, A-Laws launches in a head squadron uh, equipped with some automation containers. And they're heading to the, the tower. Um, and then Hercules is informed that there is a mobile suit that is trying to enter in. And he recognized that it's um, Sergei's Tyran. And uh, Sergei then meets with uh, Hercules and delivers the message that the Federation's not going to give in. And so he's talking to his friend about surrendering. Um, you know, Sergei's going on, why are you taking 60,000 innocent peaceful hostage? And he said that they're not innocent. They're the ones that built up the wealth and accepted uh, the Federation's policy. So Hercules tells Sergei to leave. Sergei, of course, refuses, wanting to stay with his friend and, you know, going, you know, trying to, you know, change his mind all the way up to the bitter end here. And then we see that the automations are, um, they get into the, the orbital tower and in great a loss fashion, they start wiping out uh, the soldiers and citizens alike. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, Sharon reports to Klaus that the Kateron forces have joined with the coup forces and uh, they're waiting to see what uh, Celestial Bean's going to be doing here. We see that the Federation then makes an announcement showing some falsified video uh, that Hercules and um, Sergei had seen earlier uh, showing that the coup surges are actually killing the uh, civilians rather than the automation. So we got some more propaganda being going on there. VNNS uh, has um, ILM on the payroll, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Setsna's about to approach the Africa Tower. Of course, he's, act he's uh, attacked by Graham. And uh, uh, Graham goes trans Graham and, you know, starts a battle with Setsna and it's aggravating Setsna's wound. And he goes trans Am. They keep fighting and fighting and fighting until there's a winner. Uh, <laughs> then the rest of the Gundams start to arrive and knows that. Uh, Sumeragi knows that something's going on and asked Felt to calculate the wind speed for about a thousand kilometers around the Africa Tower. Uh, at the same time, Kati's doing the same thing and realizes that the forces being deployed are preparing for the elevator to collapse. And in space, uh, Fats Goodman declares that Celestial Being 
uh, Cateron and the Coop forces will be struck down by the second Memento Mori because he uh, is this the is this the episode where he just goes completely uh, crazy, so happy that he can't wait to see the you know a, oh, no. a hundred years of uh, or am I getting ahead of myself here? Oh, just a little. Just a little. All right. Yeah. Sorry. But um, uh, in terms of my thoughts on this episode, great. You know, and t- uh, building up to the coming battle. And it's nice to see further clarification of, you know, what steps the Federation and A-Laws does to control all the information that's going out there to keep their power. But um, uh, Solwer and Chris, uh, what are some of your thoughts about uh, episode 16, Prelude to Tragedy? Well, I thought that um, if he were watching this episode, Rupert Murdoch would say to himself, damn, I need to get me one of those Vedas. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Because, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the way Fox News manipulates the news now, it's a lot of hard work, you know, making yeah. up all this fake news and, and, and you know, uh, blaming little kittens getting stuck on trees on Obama. But, uh, man, if you got Veda, Veda will do everything for you. It's like a complete package. It's like an idiot button, like an easy button. You just staple, you just press the button. Boom, totally fabricated news yeah. <laughs> in real-time hacking. Yeah, Vader wags the dog on autopilot. Even, even I think even the, the puppet master from, from Gitz would be kind of jealous. <laughs> that is true. Oh, You're like, damn, I need to be one of those. Pretty much. That's how you do it. What's, what was interesting, I thought, about the setup of this episode, if you think about it, most of this episode takes place in the middle of the previous episode. Yeah, it That's does. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So what I like was rather than just like gloss over, you know, the beginning of the coup and just have a coup happen, like say, I don't know, uh, Destiny, <laughs> a certain uh, break the world incident that just appears out of nowhere yeah. and is gone just as fast. Right. <laughs> you know, they took a whole episode to show all of the buildup to this, and um, in these flashbacks, uh, number one, uh, Wild Bear had himself a good-looking wife there. Of course, that man. he did, man, and she looks a lot like um, a lot like Soma in the face. That oh. is, I mean, that that's that's something I noticed, but I might be in my in alone in my opinion on that one. But I can't really remember. But it, it didn't occur to me. But yeah. uh, what's interesting in seeing was um, the contrast of back then how Hercules was so idealistic and he thought that solar power would just make everything better, and yeah. now he's like so pessimistic about this. And what's interesting is you know the debate between him and Sergey brings up a question that Gundam really has never tackled, which is, of course, um, you know, if the, the citizens, you know, ignore a corrupt government and military because they're, they're prosperous, uh, does that by nature make them complicit enablers of that corruption? Yeah, you know, that was, a, that was something that hasn't been really addressed before because if you look back in some of the previous Gundams, especially, I mean, let's... You know, take Zeta for instance. I yeah. mean, the the citizens were, there was a small faction of them, but for the most part, we get the impression that they're pretty much going along with what the Titans and the Earth Federation were doing at that point. So, and it applies to real life as well. I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of countries that are not doing so well right now feel that way about the United States of America. I mean, c- quite honestly, I mean, it's 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 just a it's a take on kind of that mentality or that that viewpoint. You know, we're it, it's just. That's what it seems to me anyway, but anyway. Yeah, so I don't know if uh, you know the show is trying to give us an answer. Obviously, Hercules thinks the answer is yes. Yeah. But it's an interesting philosophical question that you really don't see in anime, you know, in most war shows, and especially not in Gundam. Right. Yeah, because it's, it's more or less just the idea of war itself, not 
you know, all the other factors within it, you know. Yeah. And rarely is there any discussion of, you know, the citizens' role in war because they're usually just portrayed as innocent non-combatants. But, you know, it's sort of the philosophical question. Are they or aren't they? Yeah, that's true. So I thought that was interesting. Um, It was good to see the the fight with uh, Setsuna and uh, Graham transamming each other, even though Setsuna's wounded. Yeah. Pretty interesting fight. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, big surprise, there's a second Memento Mori. Yeah. Just pops out of the woodwork. Yeah, because <laughs> we've seen we've seen so far that Ribbons likes to build things in uh, in multiples. Yeah, and to be like, honest, I think we've already had like a couple of we had a couple of Gadessas get destroyed, yet they keep coming back. So <laughs> that and and the fact of too, I mean, of of all of kind of the uh, the Doomsday weapons, um, it's the smallest in scope and scale, so it would make a lot more sense. Yeah, it's not you... a giant colony laser or some ginormous asteroid yeah. thing or you know some crazy thing like requiem you know it's like it's a pretty realistic thing it's just a satellite based cannon yeah uh, running on the um the orbital elevator tracks up there so yeah so that's not like you know something that's that's so like you know out of out of the possible specter yeah so Solbro, any thoughts of episode 16 i don't know um, there's a there's a movie i saw recently called gran torino and um I, uh, for some reason, I've just been watching Sergey in this this next series of episodes. He reminds me of Clint Eastwood from that movie. He didn't have much of a connection with his son, as we see in flashbacks here. Um, lost his wife. Um, he didn't really understand. I wouldn't say understand, but he really didn't open up until uh, a certain young person came into his life that kind of filled the void of, um, of of the child that he already lost, and that was Marie. Um, but you know, it just it just I, I kind of want to call this story arc uh, Grand um, Grand Tyran. <laughs> but um, no, he, it, it was nice to see a little bit of insight on Sergey um, in this, and also Andre has a flashback in this where he's talking to um, talking to um, Hercury when he first joins up with the um, HRL, and um, the fact that he says he doesn't want to try to be his father. And of course, there's the um, the mass slaughter later on in the episode after the automatons uh, come in there. Uh, all I know is truth has a high price. <laughs> after taking over that uh, that tower, all those people do get killed. And granted, they might be um, they might be um, p- accountable parties to the way the state of the world is. But it was still it was still kind of rough to see. I do see that um, Setsuna um, has finally found change he can believe in. <laughs> after having an epiphany last episode and um after getting saved by his um his boys and of course the realization that there's going to be an imminent collapse of the tower towards the end of the episode that was that was pretty exhilarating to end on that note i like this episode and i like the next episode even more but we'll definitely get in that in a second well since Solbro likes this episode that means we can move on uh chris yeah. uh I think that's our that's our new like oh. cue. Yeah, <laughs> I like this episode. Then it must be done. Oh well, well, well damn. I'm I'm sorry. Let me just not say nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on. Episode seventeen. Andre is a bitch. Oh sweet. AKA episode seventeen. In the midst of scattered light, <laughs> which uh, takes us back in time for a little little flashback to uh, the year twenty two ninety eight, and uh, we see um, you know the mission that Holly was on that. Um, you know that she she died on and uh, they're defending you know engineers and their families at the hrl orbital elevator they're being attacked by terrorists and holly is one of those people and hercules is basically telling sergey like hey you know you're condemning your own wife to to die if you don't give the order to pull back and he's like well we can't risk you know those innocent civilians and you know she's a soldier she knew she knew this before taking on the mission so that kind of sheds light on that and andre is uh 
angsting that he never, uh, you know, he never had a conversation with his father after that, and of course blames him for her for his mother's death rather than say, you know, the actual terrorists that killed her. That's just a thought, but hey, I could be wrong. You know, back in the present, you've got um, Sergey and, and Hercules going at it again, and and Sergey basically tells him like, hey, you know, these. 60,000 people that you've taken hostage, you've sort of condemned them to death because now that they know the truth, the Federation will make sure that they all die so that the truth doesn't get out. Which, uh, you know, Hercules has the, like, oh, you're right response. <laughs> so then, uh, Celestial Being, they get to the, to the scene of the battle in uh, the Africa Tower, and you, you see that uh, Catheron and the uh, Federation, they're fighting there, so Celestial Being gets caught up in the battle, and Ian says that... Um, you know, they need to destroy Memento Mori with the double O-Riser, and the O-Riser needs a pilot, so Setsuna asks Saji to do it because lives are at stake, and Saji kind of thinks about it, and Ian gives him a pilot suit, so the decision is made. Oh, man. Then they take off, and as uh, Memento Mori's about to fire, Fats Goodman, you know, licks his, his fat lips and, and, and delightfully declares that, you know, 100 years of mankind's science is about to be destroyed. I took a double take on that scene. I'm like, what, what is up with this guy? But and he knows what he's doing. He's consciously knows what he's about to do, and that's even more disturbing. Yeah. So um, Setuna activates in space the Transam Riser, which is like a giant super long beam saber, <laughs> and he destroys the Empress, thus killing Divine, who nobody cared about. <laughs> <laughs> and he hits Memento Mori, but he doesn't destroy it. And unfortunately, right then, Memento Mori fires and hits the lower orbital station. So now you've got, uh, like, huge chunks of the elevator. They start auto-purging. And uh, the civilians are evacuating on the linear trains. And Sergei and uh, Hercules, they're flying down the shaft inside their mobile suits. And uh, unfortunately for all those civilians, the uh, purge catches up to them and destroys all of the trains. Jeez. Yep. Killing all of them, including some little, little kitties. Damn. And... Um, Sumeragi, she realizes that, you know, with all these fragments coming in, that, you know, the ones that are coming in from above the atmosphere will burn up, but those that are being purged underneath the atmosphere will all fall onto the uh, city that's at the base of the tower and, you know, cause casualties in the millions of lives. Yeah. So, in the midst of all this fighting, she sends this wide message to all of the forces, you know, the coup, um, Catheron, Celestial Being, everybody saying, hey, you know, Y'all got to stop fighting and help us destroy this crap or all these people are going to die. So uh, surprisingly, everyone does precisely that. And uh, even A-Law shows up and uh, they, they help with the, uh, the battle against the debris, which Sumeragi counted on because she figured that if Kati was the commander that you know, she wouldn't have them fighting. So um, Sergei and Hercules come out of the elevator and Louis spots them, which uh, gets Andre's attention. And there's a huge chunk coming down, but uh, Thierry and all these other guys, they managed to destroy it. You know, once all of the, the smoke clears, literally, Hercules just gets sniped out of nowhere by Andre and gets killed because Andre um, recognizes his voice and uh, thinks that he and the, and the other and the Tierran are the coup leaders. Jeez. So he just starts attacking the Tierran, and then when he realizes it's Sergei, he's like, Dad, what are you doing here? Are you betraying the army? First, you know, you killed Mom by following orders, and now you're doing this. Blah, 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 blah. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> and without even giving Sergei a chance to explain, because he's just so full of rage, like the little bitch that he is, he screams out that he's getting Mother's revenge, stabs the Tierran right through, and kills Sergei. 
So, uh, which we then get into a little uh, flashback from Sergei of Holly telling him before that very mission, hey, if something happens to me, take care of Andre. And, of course, you know, as this happens, Mari sees uh, Sergei's death and, and, and cries out because she had just been reunited with him and now he's dead. Damn. So, uh, my thoughts on the episode, um, I don't like Andre. <laughs> Clear the driveway. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. There, w- there was lots of debate about this on the Mecha Talk forum as well as other forums, too. And it's time for the Straight Talk Express to take a few minutes to, uh, to basically uh, tear this guy a new one. Yes, indeed. Okay. So, his mother gets killed. Mm-hmm. Rather than blaming the people who killed her... He decides it's his father's fault for following orders. He never, he never tries to, like, talk to his father and, you know, understand this. So it's understandable, though, that he's a dumb kid, and dumb kids think stupid things about the world when they don't know any better. But he grows up. This dumb idea sticks with him. <laughs> he decides to join the military to somehow spite his father. Somehow he gets through military academy, and the idea doesn't get into his head that any military mission could require sacrifices. I don't even know how this guy like got past like psychological screening to get into the military. <laughs> it was such stupid idea of, you know, oh, because, you know, the commander sacrificed, you know, a soldier, he killed them. I don't think anyone thinks that way. I would hope not. Well, that's not, yeah. what, that's not what you're taught. I mean, <laughs> but apparently whatever they taught him didn't get through because this dumb belief from his childhood still persists. Yeah. And he gets all the way to A-Laws, still hates his dad, bitches and whines about this, his mother all the time. Mm-hmm. And then this rage has developed, obviously, to a homicidal level because when he kills, you know, his father, he's not saying die traitor scum he's saying die this is mother's revenge yeah <laughs> so any attempt any feeble attempt by people to defend him saying oh you know it's the middle of battle no battle is over there are military procedures you can't just you know just kill someone because you think they might be involved with something when you have no evidence exactly uh, they're not attacking you you can't just kill somebody you know yep. you're supposed to um you know like take them into custody so they can be interrogated maybe i don't know Especially if you think that they're the leaders of the coup. Exactly. Yeah. You, you want to, say, find out how deep it goes yep. and who else is involved, which you kind of can't do if, you know, just some stupid grunt thinks above his station and decides to take things into his own hands. My two cents on that whole situation is, yeah, first, it's just the whole lack of communication. For somebody, especially with Andre, that feels that he's so high and mighty and above everyone else, he, he doesn't do the simplest things to to get clarification of what's really going on. And then, like you said, too, I mean, once he's in the military, you would have access, unless it was, like, completely classified, what happened during that engagement. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure you would, you know, even if you didn't sit down and, and spoke with his father, he could sit down with, you know, Hercules or some of maybe these other people that knew what was going on with the situation. Well, but he also blamed Hercules, too. Yeah, you know, I know. As we saw in that flashback in the last episode, right. he, almost, he held him almost as responsible. It's like, come on. Yeah. So the problem is, you know, the whole thing we've seen this whole season with Andre is he's a little bitch yep. and he thinks that he's so special because it's like he thinks like 
the way he acts, it's like if no one else ever lost their mother at a young age. Exactly. Yeah. Like, no one has ever had experienced that except him, and no one understands that. Like, come on, get over yourself. Yeah, pretty much. He, he, apparently, I guess he thinks his poop doesn't stink. But, I mean, I, I don't know. This, 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 to me, is the greatest, the greatest bitch move of, of this half of the series. And, I don't know, his ideology is screwed. I mean, he, 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 he complains about the fact that his father sacrificed his mother, but he's willing to sacrifice his father over absolute BS. That doesn't make him any better. At all. I mean, he's a his actions were a total contradiction of what he actually believed in. And on top of that, I know he got the answers he was seeking, at least what the re for the reason that his mother died. And I'm sure he talked to Hercules about it. I mean, Hercule. I mean, Hercury about it. And, um, you know, Hercury was actually more willing to talk to him than his own father was. He even Why are you speaking in English? <laughs> it's Hercules. <laughs> it's Hercules, damn it. Is it Hercule Hercules? Oh, I'm sorry. Hercules. Yeah. Um, I'm just going off the, the it's translation. It's been Hercules. It hasn't really? You've been Englishing, you've been Englishing <laughs> these last two segments, and I'm thinking to myself, why is he doing this? Well, the, <laughs> I wrote, I'm sorry. It was the translation Hercules. I just watched. But Hercules Son of Zeus. was even more, he, was, he comforted him at the funeral and all of that. So it's, it's not like, it's not like, I know the boy had questions and they know he got a master but answered but he still held on to this needless grudge for years and i don't know it, it just doesn't make sense if it was if it was more a battle of ideology i could see that outcome happening but he just he took an opportunity to kill his dad and that's all there is to it well the big thing too is the fact that you know sergey was standing down yeah and you know he even pushed most, him away most most militaries when somebody stands down you, you take him into custody i mean Look at look at the United States Army. I mean, there's been there's been soldiers overseas that have been put in jail, mm -hmm. you know, for for years for doing similar situations. You know, you just can't sit there and say, oh, well, we think he might attack me, or we think this, or we think that. I mean, if they're not engaging you, you have to you know give them uh, the same respect. But yeah, I mean, to sit there and and what was really sad about the whole thing about this whole argument, this online argument, was the way that people like were really passionate about defending this guy saying oh well you know if i was in the same situation i would too but then in a lot of ways these are the same people that you know at episodes earlier they would bitch if um ali went up and just shot somebody in the face or you know something like that happened it's like <laughs> you know it's okay for it's okay for andre to do it because you like him because he's a little emo pussy boy but you know a guy that's just a, a bastard like um, an Ali, you know, does basically kills in cold blood. You know, it's it's not okay for him to do it. I mean, as far as we know, Ali didn't kill his parents. I mean, maybe he did. I mean, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I could see little Ali being born with a, a, a switchblade and a gun, and then just shooting his mom once he gets out of the womb. But and Damn. then probably taking over the uh, hospital. But sadly, I already have a picture of that in my head. Thanks. <laughs> nice. But um. But I mean, after the, after the feel good. Um, after the feel-good saving the world um, incident that happened with everybody coming together to, 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 to defend the, at least the cities on the ground, he goes out of his way to kill these guys. And it's just, it just seems very, um, what's the word? Well, he did get a two-rank promotion. So. <sighs> Still, it's freaking terrible. I mean, they, they, just, they just had the greatest skeet shoot ever. <laughs> and then he goes out of his way to kill his dad and 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 Hercury, the guys who influenced Hercules. Him Hercules, damn it! Damn, I'm so sorry. Okay, Hercules. Now that he's dead, yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. So you're banned from saying Hercules. <laughs> but uh, you know, hey. aside from aside from uh, from Andre, the, we can let yeah. the Straight Talk Express go on its on its route again. Right on. Uh, you know, the whole episode it was very uh, tense and thrilling. You know, this yeah. whole sequence, like seeing all of these like pieces of the elevator falling apart and, you know, hitting Earth. And obviously they spent quite a bit of money on this sequence. Mm -hmm. 
and you know just the the sight of seeing like all these different mobile suits from all these different armies coming together you know the regular federation the coup forces catharon celestial being a laws all fighting together which makes you think boy maybe this will lead to like some positive yeah. result but uh we find out next episode uh, no not so much <laughs> well it just it just shows you to the the point that the um the grunt soldier you know the guy on the field he's he's not the one that you know he's just following his orders in a lot of ways and you know it, you know the the a-laws you know the, the the duty of protecting the public even the a-law soldiers you know they, they realize that you know hey these big shards of glass are falling from the sky i mean these things are huge but um yeah like you said though it was a very very tense episode and it and it really finally just establishes how horrible and ruthless and genocidal almost that A-Laws is. I mean, the fact that they were willing to sacrifice and just about did sacrifice 60,000 people to, um, you know, just so the truth doesn't come out. I mean, that's very, very, very scary. So anything else on episode 17? Excellent. I guess that will give us to episode 18. Mixed feelings. And this is a significant significant episode because there's a, a four-month jump after episode 17. Big things have happened. A-Laws is now in charge of the military. Saji and uh, Marie, oops, I mean um, Soma, are now putting in more work with um, Celestial Being, you know, helping out with the, uh, with the effort. Kataran is pretty much on the run. They, um, <laughs> their cells are getting taken out bit by bit by the, uh, by the automatons. And um, Marina and the kids and Klaus and Shirin are living like the Von Trapps. <laughs> no, they're, uh, they're at Uso's cabin. Uso's cabin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's Uso's cabin. But Maria must have representation because she has. She must have an A and R because her her song's on the top forty now. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, uh, Soma's back. She's uh, completely um, reverted back to her more um, militant nature. And there's a good old uh, locker room talk between the fellas about um, about giving Soma some space. Um, mainly, um, hallelujah to give someone some space as she deals with the grief of um, the colonel dying. Uh, when you say locker room talk, I sort of imagine like, like a couple of sweaty jocks in like a smelly, smelly like locker room. Like, hey man, did you see the ass on that one? She put on pilot suit. See ya. All right. See, uh, see Sumeragi's cans today. Damn. And welcome to another episode of Space Locker Room Talk <laughs> with Celestial Being. <laughs> but um, uh, they they touch upon a little bit more foreshadowing with um, Setsuna's uh, GN resistance, GN poisoning resistance, as if his body's actually fighting it back, um, which we'll find out why later. Um, Wang totally gets pooped on by ribbons, <laughs> telling her that she'll never be a coordinator. I mean, oops, I mean um, innovator. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, Ribbons also calls. Re- was, was that a Freudian slip? It was a Freudian <laughs> slip. <laughs> I've been avoiding it all season, but now it finally came out. Uh, <laughs> Ribbons also calls uh, Regine, Regine out as well about his um, his double dealings and um, the truth about Andre's promotion. He gets kind of ridiculed by the uh, by the innovators about that. <laughs> yeah, and deservedly so. <laughs> deservedly so. I, I actually, that's the one time I actually love those guys. And Louise also contemplates a, a hard decision that she might have to make in, make in the future. Saji also somewhat finds his determination, realizing that if he's going to get Louise back, he's 
of the Pfeiffer. There's talk about taking back Veda in this episode by the by the crew of the, the Ptolemaeus, and we get to see a, a nice little moment between Lyle and Anu as their um, relationship has progressed a great deal. And I love the speech that um, Lyle gives about his brother and the fact that he never thought he was ever um, on his level. He felt like the lesser twin between the two, so he distanced himself from La- from um from Neil and that's pretty much why they were estranged and then of course um, they kind of foreshadowed the revive a new connection between revive revival and a new when um, a new space is out and she goes into um, innovator mode for a second uh, <laughs> like safe mode yeah, safe mode of course Regine also is playing deep throat as he gives a a wang, a little piece of paper with some crucial information on it for Celestial Being. Uh, there's a preparation for A-Law's attack um, that's about to be um, placed upon the Ptolemaeus, and Saji discusses his motives for fighting with um, Setsuna before they launch. I like to call them Team Superbad, because <laughs> um, Saji seems to me like the Michael Sarah of Gundam, but um, that's just my opinion. But um... <laughs> Yo, That's actually a statement of yours that I could agree with. <laughs> the George Michael Bluth of Mecca. <laughs> Um, I'll, no, that that actually that, that actually works. Hey, he, he reminds me of him. I just come to realize that. But um, Alleluia accepts Soma for who she is, and he's just gonna deal with it in his own way. Um, Lockon create um commits the cardinal sin. He tells Anu that he loves her, and boy, that's gonna pay off next episode. Well, not 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 only does he <laughs> tell her that he loves her, he has to do it where the whole bridge finds out. The whole it's like it's like usually with this scene it's like you know you meet up in the you know you meet in the hallway or you meet at the uh, in the hangar bay as he's about to close the hatch no he's like oh yeah uh hey anu uh by the way uh, i love you and like you thought like the, all the girls all the girls just went crazy on there so and even 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 Lasse was like what the heck <laughs> oh man Team Superbad also launches the double O, and finally the episode ends with the showdown at the Vaughn Traps, and um, also closes with Wang holding that vital info to give um, Celestial Bing. And um, what were you guys' thoughts on this episode? Well, it was a pretty good episode. I, I mean, well, go ahead, Chris. No, uh, go ahead, because uh, I, I, we got to uh, pull in the, uh, the Straight Talk Express for this episode, too. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah just quickly, my thoughts. Good episode. Kind of took me off a little bit why they went for four months in the future, but not a big deal. Basically, it is the prepping for the final battle. Yeah, it is I mean, a third arc. It's, uh, I love you, I love you, I've come to this understanding. Saji actually, his nuts dropped. It, <laughs> it, he, he's what, like 22, 23 now, so usually it happens when you're like one or two, but this guy, they found it took 22 years for them to drop. Uh, he still sucks, but um, uh, you know, he, he's not as bad. <laughs> so hateful. <laughs> But, um, you know, and, and we see that uh, Wang's, Wang getting bitch slapped was pretty damn funny. <laughs> I, you know, for, for all of her just little pontificating the whole thing of, like, you know, everything's got to change. And then Ribbons, it's like, yeah, you know, Ribbons is the bad guy, but you mm-hmm. cheer for him. At different points throughout the season, you're just like, thank God, finally, someone, finally, finally somebody put her in her damn place. Ribbons did her Shut one, her damn mouth up. Ribbons did her one worse. He told her that she will never be an innovator and told her that, you know. Or a coordinator. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's like, we're phasing you out. Yeah. And, and on top of that, he hits her the self-esteem like, you know, just like your beautiful body will, will age and yeah. deteriorate. Nice. Time. Yeah, he was ruthless as hell. Cutthroat, Jack. It, it's, it, what does it say when, when a person who is such a basher like Ribbons is actually the more likable of any scene between him and Wang? <laughs> I know. That's, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, and then like we said, um, you know, poor, uh, poor uh, Lyle. 
committing the cardinal role. He did. Of uh, you know, but we'll we'll find out what happens there. But um, good lord, I guess uh, Straight Talk Express, uh, another return visit of the Straight Talk Express. Pulling it's, in. Yeah, it's two two consecutive visits because it. Here's another thing uh, that was the subject of much online uh, debating. You know, you know, there's this form of time skip, and obviously one of the things that happens in it is the development of a relationship between um, Lock-On and Anu, which had every single fanboy screaming at the top of their lungs, oh my god, forced relationship, forced relationship, blah, 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 blah. There was foreshadowing. Which really annoys me for several reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a difference between, number one, forced relationship and, say, a rushed relationship. A forced relationship would be if suddenly, for no reason whatsoever, Sumeragi and Setsuna got together yeah. just yeah. because they did. Mm-hmm. That's a forced relationship. Uh, or more precisely, to give an example uh, from Heroes, from Season 3, Matt Parkman has a dream that in the future he falls in love with a woman and marries her so when he meets her in the present and they're complete strangers he basically says to her in the future we'll be married so let's fall in love <laughs> that's forced that's, a, that's yeah. a forced relationship um you know non-forced relationship would be uh lost as adam could say if he's you know when he saw the you know the recent uh oh, yeah. time skip and lost between exactly. uh, sawyer and uh, juliet you know there are things this is something that fans need to understand which mm-hmm. they don't there are things that happen off screen. <laughs> you do not need to see every moment yeah. of every single thing developing for it to be legitimate. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Straight Talk Express. Goodness. Because if you did see every single moment of everything, everyone would bitch that this show is nothing about. It's about nothing but relationships, and it's boring, and nothing ever happens. Not only that, but Lockon is not the main character. No. So. You know, any, like, romance he gets is going to be secondary by nature. Right. So, you know, it's not that, you know, this just happened out of nowhere. I mean, they've been foreshadowing Lock-On yeah. and Anu since the moment they met. Exactly. That's and what I was going to say. says this yeah. is forced, doesn't know what they're talking about, and is just using the word the wrong way. And, and, and by the way, four-month time skip. Yeah. A lot of things happen in four months. So it's like, and it wasn't like they were married. No, they weren't. They were just. They were just they were the same the, They were just together. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's. Yeah, it's. I mean, in a heartbeat, we got to see how far their relationship advanced. But you could see that there was a connection way back when they first met. And you have to be dense not to notice. You really have to be. Well, that's. It was obvious it was going to happen. So somehow the fact that it happened is a bad thing and evidence of the horrible writing the show has. I I don't don't understand that. Something that you know is going to happen happens. So that's a bad thing. I mean, yeah, you know, a force, you know, or something like that would be is if it was four months later and all of a sudden he's with felt or something, you know, it's like, come on, this, it, like you said, it was all foreshadowed. I, I don't understand why people have to take su- such little, little things like this and really blow them out of proportion and make very insignificant things significant. Cause it yeah. just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, come on. It, I mean, the show is not perfect, but if you're going to go complaining because lock on and, uh, a new or, are now a couple four months later in the timeline, what the hell? I mean, come on. 
Yeah, grow up, people. This bit, I don't know. And and by comparison, I don't I don't visit like uh, Lost Farms. But Solbro, have you heard any complaining about like since this is a similar example, uh, Sawyer and Juliet? Not really. I mean, I, I really don't visit much forums either. But I, I I do go to um, I check out you know whatever people's blogs about it, and they really haven't seen much. I mean, it just makes sense. You can see, I'm um, not to bring up Lost, but you can see way back in season four that the connection was being made. Just That's like another example, exactly. right there. Exactly. Yeah. In that show too, you can see that that relationship is on track to develop. So you know that something is going to happen eventually same thing with this and double o but people are so blinded by feeling the need to bitch so much about everything they can't see things before their eyes that are developing yeah just like just like sawyer swam up on the beach and met juliet there it's the same thing when lock on and um and anu had that little conversation you know by the rock on the little on, on the little pasture in um i forget episode 15 or something but you know you could see that the bomb was forming and you got to be blind not to notice and i, I don't understand even where the debate comes or, from or, or stupid to bitch about it because i mean let's let's grow up we got bigger things to bitch about like andre that's right yeah exactly and given the fact that the second season is 25 episodes yeah there's a war going on how much time is a secondary gundam pilot going to get for his romance (laughs) exactly exactly well look how much time setsuna's getting he's the main gundam pilot he's getting no time for the romance guy's getting shot having to destroy this destroy that solve the world's problems dying of gn cancer I mean, he's, come on he's got no time for that man yeah, it's like he's, he's got jack bauer disease you know <laughs> marina's a hot li- she's a hot little arab piece and you know with a nice little voice but he ain't got time for that no stuff time. he's he's got to change the world man by the way uh, i don't remember is this is this the episode where when everyone's launching and they're all thinking of something that's important to them Yes. Uh, yes. You know, they all need the people that they love. But then when you get to Setsuna, he's thinking of Gundam. Gundam. And <laughs> of Ada. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to say, Tier. Yeah, it's is, like. Is, is that not the most hilarious thing ever? I cracked up so bad. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you have, like, uh, what is it? Soma's, like, the Colonel. Saji's, like, Luis. Uh, Alleluia's, like, you know, Marie. Um, all people. And then we get Lock on's a new. And then the Tier is, like, Veda. We get like, down to an OS and a mech. And then. <laughs> And then Mike Gundam. Well, you know, they were all thinking about the people that matter most, to the th- or I should say the things that matter most to them, so. <laughs> Sorry, Marina. Just not going to happen. Man, um, unless you grow 18 meters tall and get a V-fin and some uh, beam weaponry, you don't have a chance in Setsuna's eyes. All, all that was well, be- hey, it's, it's like the SD uh, Season 2 preview clip <laughs> um, where Tieria and Setsuna get married, and, and uh, Tieria's like, is it okay that I'm a robot? Yeah. It's, it's like... That's fine. I'm a Gundam myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Solbro, do you like this episode? I love it. Well, take us out. Oh. <laughs> well, and that then that concludes our reviews for this episode. We'll be back in a few moments with more Gundam at MAHQ. I will what? A formal apology. You will kowtow, you will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can get me. Get used to it, it's the way of the world. If you're so hot on discipline, then gun damn it, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? 
Well, then Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. For those who live abroad, find out more about our favorite store online at FloridaOrientalTrading.com or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20% less than retail, daily. 20%. That's right, Frank. 20%. Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You even find them open most holidays. So if you're local, stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650 and give them the business. Tell them Gundam at MAHQ sent you. Open. Gundam it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! Okay, guys, you're listening to Gundam Podcast, and uh, for this segment, we're going to talk about this, uh, some crappy website from, like, the year 2000 that started up, and it's, like, got really crappy reviews that nobody cares about because they just want to see pictures of robots, and the guy who runs it, he's, like, a total dick, and nobody likes this guy because he's, like... The, the, the worst person ever and uh, you know he thinks that he's so special and he makes everyone agree with his opinions on the forum and anyone who disagrees with him he bans them and he rapes puppies too and this website is still around and I don't know why because it really sucks and it's celebrated it's ninth anniversary and it's called MHQ so uh, guys why don't you tell me like tell me what you hate about this website well, and why uh, it sucks so bad I'll, I'll tell you one one what the first thing I hate the most is that he hates Gundam Wing. And Gundam Wing is the most awesome of any show ever. Hero Yui in the double buster rifle of the Wing Zero. I mean, you can't get any better than that. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, then, and then, I mean, my God, how many times do I have to ask him about Full Metal Panic? There's no Full Metal Panic. How can you have a mecha website without Full Metal Panic? I mean, my God. And where's my Zoids at? Where are they, oh, where are they at, man? I'm not even getting into Zoids. <laughs> Not yeah, and you know what? Heard, I heard this guy really hates Evangelion 2, and he always takes a, a deuce on it every single day. Oh. How dare he? That's the greatest anime ever made! <laughs> that I have purchased every volume of every rendition of Evangelion. I have the first rendition. I have the Samoan version with a super <laughs> extended five-minute trailer of episode 18. I cut ADV a blank check. Yes. <laughs> no, guys, but you know what's worse? This this uh, this crappy website with these really crappy reviews. This guy, like, he actually liked uh, Code Geass. So it's like, how totally gay is this guy to like this show? Because obviously, you know, since we all said the show was so bad, it must be bad. And and if this guy likes it, then he's stupid and retarded. I mean, when I think of Code Geass, I sit there and I go, what 
is this doing? It's it's like it's like that the the Goro Taniguchi came by and he just took a poop in my yard because that's what Code Geass is. It's poop. I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, you have all these awesome things going on, and then you just you 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 do stuff by like you know actually what. Um, you know, trying to have a, an engaging story and maybe explaining things. I, I can't do that. How I mean, dare he? Yeah, and, and and I don't care what anyone says. Suzaku did it. He did. He did, man. He killed he everybody. He hated Shirley, and and he wanted her dead, and he shot her because he was the last one to be seen with her. Okay. The thing is that this guy Lulu, she's like the biggest fudge packer ever. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, he's like just a he's just a cheap clone of Light Yagami, and 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 he sucks, and that guy's gay too. So. Oh. And, 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 you know, they, they, they completely gimped Schneisel. He's the most awesome of any character ever known to man. I mean, and, 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 and you don't even develop him. I mean, I would have looked. There should have been at least two to three episodes of his origin and why he's so cool. And, here, and here's where MAHQ loses all credibility. They actually like Turn A Gundam. There was only one Gundam in that show. <laughs> Oh no. God, that's, guys, that, that's enough. If I if I if I go any more than 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 four minutes of this, I think I might turn into a troll. Oh yeah. man, well, we got it the was, April Fools out of our system. It, 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 it was hard to uh, it was I, hard I to stop and take a breath there. <laughs> it, it was very difficult to uh, to uh, channel ignorance and stupidity, oh, man. and you know to do that because uh, a part of wow. me died inside. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, this is Gundam at MAHQ, and uh, for this uh, brief segment, we're going to be uh, talking about MAHQ. Coincidentally, it was uh, recently the uh, ninth anniversary of MAHQ, although unfortunately we did uh, miss that anniversary due to some FTP issues. So uh, Damn. why don't we, uh, at least you guys, take, take a few minutes to uh, reminisce about MAHQ and, and um, how you came across it uh, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, what you'd like to see in the future. Well, um, I think with... Oh, God, I can't really remember. I believe the first time I actually saw the website is when it... Didn't it have another name? It was FHQ or something, right? FHQ. And I think I found it because I was looking up for some pictures of Gundam. um, And I just did a search somewhere, and it it took me there. But uh, when it came to the current incarnation of, of MHQ, I believe I've been going there pretty much since 2002 maybe 2003 yeah um you know i've been i was part of the old forum uh i've been part of the the current version and now the the new incarnation of the forum but um things i liked about it was the fact that man if if you um if there was anything that you wanted to know about any of the equipment or any of the suits in any show that was you know reviewed or, or covered in that you had everything i mean and sometimes it was like overload um you know you had everything from like the the generator outputs and you know everything like that but one of the things i really liked was um and i know it's been kind of missing lately and i don't know if it's because of of um you know just because there's not as many explanations for it or, or whatever or, or how that information is getting out but um a lot of the suits had the little histories the little like histories that you would have of, of some of the suits of the various shows and, and giving kind of, you know, not only the history of them within the show that they were um, part of, but actually the background even before what you would see in the show. So that, that was always nice. And uh, the episode reviews, because, I mean, it's, it's very rarely to actually kind of get, uh, for the most part, um, you know, uh, just a, an objective review. I mean, um, Chris has always done a good job of just kind of recanting the events. And then, you know, at the end, he... 
you know, he puts his opinions in to an extent. And, you know, sometimes you agree with him, sometimes you don't. And, you know, hey, that's the way it goes. But, um, you know, other than that, I mean, for, for the longest time, it's always like, you know, if you wanted to know something on there, uh, you know, about, about your favorite Mecca show, you, you could get it. I mean, some of the things I'd probably like to be added is, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with some of the other people. I'd like to see probably some of the more classic shows added. But I understand that, you know, for my own from my own experience, it's very difficult sometimes to get a hold of some of those shows and uh, the time and effort to translate and, you know, to review all this stuff and, and, and you know, to put it up there. Um, but, I mean, I think for the most part, you've done a good job of, um, you know, keeping, you know, having a, a large informative database of, uh, you know, some of the most, some of the more popular Mecca shows and, you know, a pretty good community with the Mecca Talk community where, um, you know, everybody can go in there and discuss the various things like, you know, Suzaku did it or double O's the suck or, you know, I can't believe Anu and Lyle are together because it's way forced and I hate her. Other than that, I mean, Solbro, what are some of your thoughts? My thoughts, uh, I first came across MAHQ probably back in 01 and that was right after Mobile Suit Gundam started because I just, I was so enraptured, I was enraptured by the show uh, airing on um, Cartoon Network on Toonami back when it was great. Um, I wanted to find out more back about it. Back when it existed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even the fact it was great. It don't but, exist anymore. But also, you know, I was, I was looking up the, the old archives of um, the Gundam Project because I wanted to see, you know, what they had said about the show and whatnot because that was a really big website I like to go to. Um, props to Mark Simmons for that. But um, looking up um, information on Gundam, I came across MAHQ and it was, you know, I, I was floored at all the information that you could find that had reviews of other shows besides Gundam as well. But I mean, the fact that you could find out who piloted what suit, <laughs> even if it was for five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it was, it was a great, it was a great site for a trivia buff like myself who likes to like contain useless knowledge. I mean, I, I thrive off of that, but, um, it was, it wasn't quite useless because I'm a mecha fiend. So I find it quite useful. And, um, I, I fell in love with the site. I would visit there all the time. I go there and read up on reviews of shows, especially, um, I probably got introduced to Gundam X through the um, through through MAHQ I did and I, I was really intrigued on watching it because I just was flipping through the reviews there and it's like wow this sounds like a good show nothing like the failure that I heard that that, that, that what some people were calling it but um, MAHQ opened my eyes to a lot of mech shows I would probably never knew about I never would have never known about if it wasn't for that site and um, I didn't think I don't think I um, I don't think I actually started taking an interest in the boards until after it became mechatalk.net and I lurked for years before I actually became an active member and it was probably about a year before Gundam started and I probably had like a handful of posts but um, other than that um, MAHQ man has been a part of my life for almost a decade and I think it's um, I, I think it's a godsend to uh, any mech fan that's out there but back to you, Chris. I don't know if I don't know if I'd go that far. But <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, no, that's, no, but I mean, uh, it is, it is, it is the, it is the. Um, website with like the most information hey I've chris i got a question for you when he was talking about how you, you have the credits for anybody that piloted a mobile suit does cy argyle get a credit for uh gimping out the strike on there can you remember <laughs> yes he does wow he made it move that's my requirements if you press <laughs> buttons and something move uh yeah that that counts okay nice <laughs> so um you know all of all of the uh, the list patrolling that i did most of that most of it is, you know, pretty close to what people, some people have said, or just, you know, amusing caricatures thereof. But most of that actually was real criticism. So just wanted to throw that out there of stuff that's happened over the years. But, um, is there, you is, know, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
no, uh, ask your question. I was going to say, um, I know as we're recording this, the and I know that to much to your chagrin, the new uh, Mecca Talk has been displayed and some of the issues that are going on there with the passwords that are being resolved. But what are some of the other things that we can kind of, uh, not necessarily with the, the whole thing about the, you know, the vaporware thing about the, the site being changed, but is there any plans of anything that you can release of uh, future sections or... Um well, what I can tell you is that uh, before this podcast even goes live, the site's going to shut down. Okay. Oh, wow. So we're closing down. End of the line, folks. <laughs> See you later. Ta-ta. I'm out. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> no, that's, that's not happening. Oh. Um, people ask about that sometimes, but no, that's, that's not happening. Well, that's because a lot of sites, um, I'll be honest with you, I mean, especially lately, yeah. uh, a lot of sites have... Been got, I mean, dying. I mean, look at what was it last year? Kanoda went down. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 difficult. I would imagine to um, you know to maintain and, and and keep in contact with everything because for the most part, you're probably as hands on as most people could be. You know, when it comes to a, a site, you're just not like uh, you know, it's just not like God waiting in the wings there. Just you, you actually participate with a lot of the discussions and everything like that. Yeah, in terms of you know, since this is a question that comes up occasionally, I might as well address it as best as I can. You know, obviously, I can't say how long I'm going to be involved with MHQ. I mean, the fact that I've been involved for nine years, you know, still shocks me beyond belief every time that another year gets added to that, you know, little notch onto that. But what I can say is that MHQ will always be online, whether it's updated or not. And, you know, in terms of my involvement and Dale's involvement, um, what I would say is that as long as it's fun and enjoyable for us, we will keep doing it. Right. Uh, when it becomes a burden, that's when we won't. Yeah. And that's not something that you know when that's going to happen. It'll happen one day or it doesn't. So. Oh, yeah. But that's the same. It's, it's no different from any other website. There's plenty of other websites out there. I've known people who ran websites that, you know, they, I asked them, like, so what made you stop? And they said, well, it stopped being fun. It was a burden. So, wow. you know, for me, as long as MHQ is fun and it somehow has been, you know, over some rough times here and there, but, you know, it has been something enjoyable for the last nine years. And as long as I can maintain that, then that will continue. But even if, you know, that point comes when I say I'm going to hang up my hat and that's the end, you know, it'll still say archived online forever. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Megatalk, you know, is a living organism of its own and it'll stay there. Uh, Gundam will still be around for many years, hopefully. So, you know, just, you know, I, I may not always be around, but you know, hopefully what I've built will stay. Well, um, here's another question, Chris. Uh, I know for myself and uh, Solbro, when we started Gundam, we would sell out in a, in a me in any time if somebody wanted to buy the show. <laughs> would you sell out um, big time if uh, somebody came, approached you about, um, about the website, or is that something that you'd have to be based on the type of situation? It'd depend on the situation, yeah. you, know, you know, what the offer is. Control and all that too. Um, control. I mean, and then obviously it's it's up to Dale as well because you know he's he's half in with me. So oh, which brings up a great point. And I was going to do this in our in our opening feature, but you know sometimes we do our segments uh, before we do the openings when we record everything. Um, I, just wanna him, I just want to let I just I just want to let everybody know that um, as m I love getting the fan mail and anybody that's ever sent me fan mail they know that i you know respond as as quickly as possible and I, I try to help them out as much as possible and i'm not calling anybody out on this but 
I just want to let everybody know that myself and Solbro, when it comes to MHQ, the inner workings, we are only contributors to MHQ. If there's anything dealing with rules, regulations, or, or you know, uh, you know, standards within Mecha Talk or MHQ or anything like that, um, please uh, direct everything to Chris or Dale because, like, <laughs> they're the ones that actually um, you know control it all. Because you know, as much as I love getting the fan mail, which is great, you know, when it comes to that stuff, I don't have any control, and, and Solbro doesn't either. So I'm it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know that everyone probably hears us and they feel that, you know, that we're part, we are part of it, but not in that way. I already got a full plate. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just wanted well, to unfortunately, cut it. Unfortunately, these things happen sometimes. I mean, some people uh, to this day still think that I write every single review on the website. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't like your reviews of, you know, Super Robot Wars. It's like, well, I didn't write that. That was Peter. So let yeah. me address you to this guy. <laughs> and I mean, and which I did, and you know, I'm not like I said, and and I hope no one feels offended by that. I just want to let everybody know that you know, and sometimes when it comes to these things, we, you know, since we're probably the more vocal part of the website, we're not any part of the decision making process. <laughs> and, just talking heads, folks. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> unpaid contributors. But I'm flattered. You think so? Yes. <laughs> So to uh, to wrap this up, I might as well throw out you know some things. Um, obviously, on the April first update, I mentioned all of the new sections that are in the works, and you know the challenges I've had in the last two years, you know with so much of my time being sucked up by Gundam Double O and Code Geass and Macross Frontier. So you know now, thankfully, uh, that those shows are gone and buried. Not that I didn't <laughs> enjoy them, but I'll, I'm, I'll be happy to be rid of them for a long time. Yeah, uh, I can actually you know turn my work towards other sections and other things and, you know, make uh, the redesign of the website not be a vaporware thing again. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, since we upgraded the MechaTalk forum, you know, we had to uh, go to a kind of ugly new color scheme for a while. Uh, by the time this episode's out, there should be a temporary scheme in place, and then eventually we'll have the final design for uh, the forum. Uh, there'll be a redesign of Gundam.net coming, and we'll try to make more use of that website and you know that that's being worked on and then of course later on at some point the redesign of mahq and um all i can say is uh like i always say when someone asks me something it'll be done when it's done there you so, go so i take that's it all i can promise so i take it this current incarnation of mecha talk is in the rollout colors <laughs> well, yes that would be the rollout colors will, will there be a 1 100 model available for purchase anytime soon with that? Yes, and it'll be a screenshot of the front page. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. All right. Well, Chris, Chris, Chris I got to give you and Dale props for having a yeah. wonderful website. Congratulations. I'm, I'm glad to be part of it in some way, shape, or form, man. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very glad to have had you guys be part of this for these last few years and, and hopefully many more to come. Even though you Damn probably right. want us to fire us at the times. <laughs> At least once in them. <laughs> just, just soul, bro. Oh, oh well, that's he, funny. He'll bounce. He'll bounce on his feet, man. This, this man is wanted by the podcast community. I'll be back. And and, and we know that we have plenty of willing replacements. Oh yeah, we do. yeah. They're all lined up, ready, ready to jump in upon your uh, your doom. My Peter pink slip from Windsor, you're up. <laughs> My pink slip is only a hair's breadth away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, sweet. So, of course, uh, just to close, um, you know, as I always do, I, I definitely, you know, owe my highest amount of gratitude to 
people who listen to the podcast, the people who post on the forum, the people who have been, you know, visiting the site for, you know, nine years. Because God, I can't think of any single website that I visit that I've been visiting for nine years, except for maybe one or two. Yahoo. <laughs> Portals don't count. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Other than the big websites, yeah, I can't think of many either. A lot of the websites I've seen just come and go. Any any websites that are based upon any kind of fandom, they don't. I I've just come to believe that they have a they have an expiration date, and this one has been the one that's defied all odds. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, off the top of my head, you know, the only sites that I can think of that I've been visiting for maybe ten years or more that are still in existence are the Digital Bits mm-hmm. and. Um, Anime on DVD, which of course has you know become Mania.com, so that's kind of different. But uh, you know, pretty much everything else that I used to visit at some point or another is dead or dying. So yeah. longevity is 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 rare. So I'm I'm glad to have it. And with that, that wraps up this very odd segment. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, it started very odd, and and, and it'll end very odd too because this website is like the worst thing ever, and nobody should ever visit it, and it's a piece of crap. <laughs> And Robotech is awesome, and oh. you should go to my blog spot because it's way better than this crappy site ever is. Robo Robotech is the awesomest biz that Macross sucks. Dot org. That's where I'm at. Yeah, that's that's where you can find me. So uh, you've been listening to uh, Gundam at Blogspot, and 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 this is the worst show ever. <laughs> See you bitches later. Did you order the code red? God damn right I did! Next on level 9! And the thing about Resident Evil 4 is, I mean, it was great control, but it was also because they had only one controller in existence to play the game. Right. And so everything was built around the GameCube controller, so that's why it kind of flowed right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is and when it came out, And when it came out for the PlayStation 2 later on, it didn't feel as good. Mm. It didn't. It still felt better on the Makes sense. controller. Makes sense. But now you have Resident Evil 5 being made for PC, PS3, and 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't seem to flow as well. I mean, there's four different types you can choose from. I tried three of the four. Hmm. Well, I mean, thank God that we have two. I have two months, two or three months to get used to this control because it's going to take all three of them. You really think so? I mean, you don't think you don't feel like if you just kind of get into the groove of just like using one setup, it, it'll just kind of come yeah. to you eventually. Yeah, in three months. Oh, wow! So I, I played I played that game online with them. Um, so, bro, we're both going a. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game. If he gets the money, he wins. If the bus blows up, he wins. What if you win? Then tomorrow we'll play another one. But I'm not available to drive tomorrow. Busy. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. And welcome back, everybody. To Gundam and MHQ, we thank you for sitting back for our the last three hours of the <laughs> next six episodes of Gundam Double O to review. No, this is not 2008; it's 2009. No, but in this episode, uh, we did episodes. We did reviews on episodes 13 through 18 of Gundam Double O. We're slowly counting down, and we'll probably finish up within the next show or two. 
uh, to match up with the conclusion of Gundam 00 in Japan. We also did a Gundam roundup, which was uh, MS Igloo, Age of uh, Apocalypse 0079. I don't know what it's slipping there for. Are you confusing your, your Marvel Age of Apocalypse? Yeah. I, well, you know, it's funny because I, I uh, went to the comic shop yesterday and I was reading some X-Men, so it's... <laughs> Must well, be, there you go. Yeah, it must be the thing. But no, uh, just like we stated in uh, the first section of Igloo, we, we broke up the two shows and going to be talking about the next three episodes of Apocalypse 0079. And the uh, last topic that we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be celebrating the ninth anniversary of MAHQ, which was actually on April 1st, 2009. And uh, we're joined by um, you know Timmy and Jimmy, and Johnny, uh, the, the the true haters, the Troll uh, Alliance, the Troll Alliance. Yes, they are actually uh, they're actually at war with uh, the general, and they've actually <laughs> fought him a few times at the Hadagon. So, hey but, guys, talking shush about me again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I thought we I thought we got rid of these guys. Well, we killed those guys. Yes. Get my stun rod. Never be rid of me. <laughs> I will live I'll on even, forever. I'll even haunt you when you're sitting on the toilet taking a deuce. As as long as there is a broadband connection, I will be live. I live. I'd also like to issue a challenge to all of the listeners of uh, Gundam out there. I was noticing that you know you can, one of the ways that and sorry to steal your thunder here, uh, Solbro, but oh. one of the ways that you can actually access the show is on iTunes. But I want to see some folks. Uh, we have a couple of reviews on there, but I'd actually like to see some folks put some reviews on there. You don't have to say anything. You know, say what you feel. I don't. I don't. You know, if it's good or bad or whatever, be be honest. But just uh, be truthful. Yeah, we just we'd like to see some reviews on there to build up everything. And you know, you guys have been doing a great job of spreading the word everywhere else. But um, you know, it's it's even something we've kind of forgotten about because you know, a lot of people do access stuff there. But um, Chris, any uh, words of wisdom from the um, from the anal, you know, from the halls of MHQ? Yeah, it's the worst website ever. Okay, it is. <laughs> I hate going there. I don't. I don't know why they hate Zoids. I don't know why they don't do Zoids. Oh yeah, I know. I don't know. I know. The, the the world's been hunkering for the hankering for that. I'm gonna hack for their sites, dude. <laughs> Soul bro, contact information. Oh man, the I know we can go to iTunes. But. The website's the peep. Oh man, mahq.net, of course, is the um the HQ of Mecca and anime, and I'd like you to check that out. Also, um, check out the website for Gundam, which is Gundam.net. You can also find us on iTunes, as Neil Afer mentioned. You can find us on Zoom, whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on Spill.com, Facebook, MySpace. And last but not least, you can find MAHQ on Twitter. And that is Twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. Go there and uh, let Chris know what's going on with you. <laughs> Other than turn, that, let every you know. tiny detail of your life. That's right. Oh, and also you can reach us by email the classic way at GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. Send all your hate mail. Please. Thank you, Solbro from Orlando. You're welcome. All right. Well, this still concludes episode 32 of Gundam and MAHQ. And I would just like to thank everybody for listening. And we will be back in a few weeks. Cowboys, four bounty hunters, four hearts, four notes. Following a dusty trail of money, sin, and desperation. Living day to day, dreaming hour by hour. Four beats, four parts of a movement. Mars to Venus, Callisto to Ganymede. Bounty to bounty and outlaw to outlaw. One ship, one crew, one destiny. Cowboy Bebop. <laughs>
Gundam at MHQ's Shinjuku Station in the MHQ production. Good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. <laughs>